Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And a very stark headline on the front of the Echo today. Toilet camera removed. What? There was a camera in a toilet? Let's read on. A Cork branch of McDonald's has removed a CCTV camera from over a toilet cubicle after a complaint was made to the Data Protection Commission. The camera was located above the door of the cubicle. In the male toilets in the McDonald's branch in Douglas, according to the Echo, following the complaint and communication with the Office of the Data Protection Commission, the camera was turned off from June 24th. The complaint was made last November, though, by a Cork man. With regard to CCTV, this office advises all data controllers, such as McDonald's, that it's uh, in implementing the use of a CCTV system, a balance must be struck between the legitimate privacy considerations of the individual, both staff and customers, and the legitimate interests of an organisation to protect its its own interests. The Office of the Data Protection Commissioner wrote to the complainant, the use of CCTV must be justified as necessary and proportionate measure uh, to achieve a defined purpose or purposes. Any use of CCTV, particularly in areas such as toilets, needs to, needs to satisfy a test of proportionality if it's to be considered as meeting the requirements of data protection legislation. Front page of the Echo. Also in the Echo, no mystery about Coveney's state car. Tonish de Leo Varadkar had said there's no mystery or conspiracy around how the decision was reached that the Foreign Affairs Minister should get a state car and two guarded drivers. It comes amid controversy that former Tonish de Simon Coveney gets to retain his state car at a cost of 200,000 euros per year. Previously, only the Taoiseach, Tonish de and Justice Minister get this service in government. It emerged on Wednesday night that former Taoiseach Mr. Varadkar made a request for a state car for his party colleague Mr. Coveney while he was still in the role. Uh, no mystery about Coveney State Car, says the Echo. And staying with the Echo, thieves may be using drones to scope out dogs to steal. I don't use Facebook very much for posting anything, rarely post anything, but I just roll through it quite regularly for news. And it seems every second post is about an attempt at dog kidnapping or dog napping or a successful one with people pleading with rewards uh, for their pets, family members, the cherished pets to be returned. Dog owners are fearing thieves are using drones to scope out properties for valuable pets after a number of dog thefts in Glanmire in recent days. Moving to the examiner, Skellig Star Direct Provision Centre to be closed. Residents of a direct provision centre who went on hunger strike over their living conditions will be moved to other accommodation. And the Skellig Star Hotel in Carasaivine where they'd been housed, is to close as a direct provision centre. Some 32 residents went on hunger strike on Monday in protest of problems at the centre, including including allegations of food and water rationing, which management deny that beggar's belief, doesn't it? Justice Minister Helen McEntee said they will all be found um, alternative accommodation. Uh, while some will start moving in days, it could be months before all 41 residents are found uh, somewhere else to stay. And I hope that that declaration will at least uh, finish the hunger strike. 85 cases in a single day puts pub reopening plans in doubt. A shock surge in new COVID cases has cast doubt over, over whether pubs will reopen in 10 days' time. Health chiefs reported that 85 new cases of COVID-19 were diagnosed yesterday in Ireland, a worrying escalation, and the highest number of new cases in a single day since May 22nd. That's uh, just over two months ago. There will now be no decision on moving to phase four in the roadmap for reopening the country's economy until the current situation plays out. And I think that's probably the most reasonable thing to say. We have now to see how this plays out. We are, of course, facing into a bank holiday weekend. We may not have 
the sunshine of Tenerife or anything like that. But it is traditionally a time when people relax, congregate, get together. Uh, more care is now needed, is what Acting Chief Medical Officer Dr. Roland Lynn said. Officials very concerned, adding that the next 24 to 48 hours will be crucial in determining their advice to the government. And it will only be advice. And I know that the vintners have a very strong lobby in now uh, to get open and get back to business after five months of uh, no trade. But 85 cases in a single day has put pub reopening plans in doubt. You'll see in the Irish Independent, you kind of have to do a double take. But then when you look closely, you'll see it's not Donald Trump. It is Brendan Gleeson. How will the actor pull off playing the president? Uh, it looks quite a convincing Donald Trump, I must say. Sudden spike of 85 new cases raises threat of second wave, says the Irish Independent. A new lockdown for 4.5 million people across England's north. Millions of people in Britain were put under tough new virus restrictions last night after a spike in cases in the north of England. Separate households in nine areas across Greater Manchester, West Yorkshire and Lancashire were banned from meeting in indoor areas, including homes, pubs and restaurants. The regional lockdown covers a population of more than 4.5 million, including the cities of Manchester and Bradford, and is by far the biggest reimposition of restrictions. Uh, it comes amid fears Britain is heading for an early second wave following a surge in infections in European countries, including Spain, Belgium, Luxembourg and Croatia. And of course, the biggest number of travellers between our two countries over and back uh, is to Britain. Anti-lockdown campaign raises £230,000, says the UK Vert uh, edition of the Times. A businessman leading the fight against lockdown measures has said his movement gives its supporters something to live for. He's Simon Dolan, an aviation and accountancy tycoon worth £200 million, and has launched an appeal after being denied permission to seek a judicial review over regulations imposed in March. He'll find out next week whether he can appeal. He's raised about 230 grand from supporters. And he said, I feel a big sense of responsibility. I get hundreds of messages every day, and I've had more than one suicide note. I have 30 or 40 people write to me to say, without you, I don't know what I'd have done. So he's the kind of anti-lockdown champion or poster boy in the UK. Uh, and we're going to cover this later on in the programme. This is in the mail today. Minister hits out at ban on Tampax ad. Minister Josefa Madigan is among a number of female politicians who have hit out at an Advertising Standards Association of Ireland decision to ban a Tampax TV advert. The Junior Minister for Special Education and Inclusion said that we should promote positive national discussion on the topic of menstruation. I think it's totally ridiculous that an ad like this would be prohibited and such a, uh, such a recommendation harks back to a different Ireland that doesn't reflect the open society we live in today, she told the Irish Daily Mail. I personally do not think the correct decision was made here. And as I say, we will cover that later on on the Neil Prendeville Show and play you some audio as well. The decision to cancel the Tampax advert was dubbed hysterical and a throwback to old Ireland by Senator Lorraine Clifford Lee also, while independent Senator Lynn Ruan also expressed shock that the ad was being banned. I would venture the ad is having its desired effect and that everybody now in the country is going to be talking about the ad today and about the product in question. Tampax. Welfare depends, sorry, welfare defends policy of airport checks. The legal doubts as plane loads of passengers quizzed on PUP claims. The Department of Social Protection has rejected concerns raised by the Data Protection Commissioner, the DPC, over the legality of pandemic unemployment payment checks on whole plane loads of passengers. Welfare inspectors have the power to question airline passengers where they have reasonable grounds to be suspicious. But the DPC says the law does not give them the right to question all passengers boarding a flight. 
Inspectors are interviewing whole plane loads of passengers asking for names and dates of birth to check if they're claiming the PUP. The department, which says it has saved 10 million in false PUP claims, maintains the inspectors are doing in ports and airports has what they're doing has firm legal basis. It started the checks because it found a number of people in receipt of the payment returning to their countries of origin permanently and still getting the payment, uh, I suppose, paid into accounts here. Yesterday, however, after finally receiving answers from the Department of Social Protection, the DPC said it doubts the legality of what the inspectors are doing. The wider issue emerged after it was revealed that PUPs were being stopped for anybody leaving the country, even for a short break. It's one of uh, a plethora of issues that is... uh, I suppose concerning the government at the moment, coalition bedlam, as if to give rise to that previous comment, is on the front page of the Mail. Ructions in the Green Party as NASA Harrigan rebels on uh, uh, rebels on vote uh, and lost speaking privilege as well. Varadkar denies conspiracy over the state car for Coveney, and all this happening as eighty-five new COVID cases puts the pubs opening in peril. Those are the morning papers today, 17 minutes past 9 o'clock now. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie And to talk on that very subject, the alarming spike in cases is Dr. Nick Flynn from My Cork GP. I think we started uh, two weeks ago uh, when I came on for Neil, uh, Dr. Nick, uh, speaking with you. Kind of ironic that you're on again now with this spike in cases. Good morning. Good morning, Mick. Yeah, I, I think two weeks ago we did say that it was a worry that this could happen. Um, and certainly 85 new cases in one day is worrying. It's not entirely surprising. But again, I think we have to be cautious that, that, and watch how it plays out over a couple of days um, because it was such a jump from previous days for the, I think, on Tuesday that being 40. And it is possible that, that this spike is just associated with a a small number of clusters uh, in specific workplaces and in specific uh, residential uh, facilities. In 30 to 40, the cases have been associated with a factory in County Kildare. I think in turn there's been a knock-on effect from that factory to two direct provision centres in the Midlands. Um, uh, and then if you go back a little bit, I suppose our absolute numbers have been uh, heading in the right direction. I mean, we're still seeing our hospital admissions throughout the country, I think just at five cases. ICU admissions have been down. Um, so in overall, the direction had been encouraging, but certainly 85 new cases in one day uh, is a cause for concern. Uh, as you say, we have to observe it over a number of days and maybe into next week or so to see exactly what the, the trend. Uh, but, but as you said last day, maybe if you remember, <coughs> we did kind of allude to it, that it is, there is a worry that people are losing their enthusiasm for what needs to be done to keep this virus at bay. Um, and that people might be becoming complacent, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it is important, like, that, again, just going back to the, the biggest thing I see at the moment is that people um, with symptoms are forgetting that they, even if they're mild symptoms, they may have uh, COVID-19. And it's important for those patients, those people, even if they feel entirely well, it's just a mild, mild respiratory symptoms, that they uh, stay at home, they self-isolate, they contact their GP for advice, and, and testing is arranged for them. Okay, one thing that Dr. Tony Holland did so very well uh, was to give us in a nice, calm uh, and collective manner the stats on each particular day. So the case is notified today. Here are the stats. 53 cases are men, 32 are women. 68% are under 45 age, years of age, and that's a worrying trend. 26 cases located in Kildare, 18 in Dublin, 11 in Clare, 9 in Leash, 7 in Limerick, 4 in Meath, and the remainder are, are spread across seven other counties. 39% of those cases 
are associated with close contacts of a confirmed case. So that's, you know, not quite 50%, but almost 40%. And half are associated with outbreaks. So should we contain this? And, you know, it's like putting a bet on, I suppose, accepting the favourite. If if these are tracked back to one confirmed case and to outbreaks, then what's the danger in the general population? Well, I think if you go back to, uh, to just to those stats, uh, make that, was it what, 40% you said were confirmed as community transmission? Is it 39% of today's cases are associated with close contacts of a confirmed case. Or, or, or that's probably many confirmed cases. Yeah, so, 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 so 40% are, are, that means that 40% of people who, who have been diagnosed with COVID-19, they can identify the source. There will be a small number of cases associated with travel, and then that means you're tra- talking about 55 to 60% of cases where the source is not identified. And okay. again, that's worrying. So community transmission, which is the, the other side of that statistic, basically uh, means that we haven't been able to identify the, the index case of the person who was diagnosed with COVID-19 uh, contracted it. And that's the worry. And, and I think that it, it's a call to arms to people to download the, the, the contact tracing app. Uh, please do it. Please turn on your Bluetooth. Uh, and again, it's, it, it's a call to arms to people to, to do what we've been asking uh, really, which is to avoid large crowds, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you if you go to an area where there's a large number of people congregating, of course we won't be able to contact trace you. Uh, and unfortunately, that, that that is the advice, you know. So, so, so stay with small groups, you know. Maintain your physical distancing and all the other things that, 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 that are also important, but that probably are just what people are keeping the, the wearing of face coverings when you can't maintain physical distancing, the washing your hands regularly, and, and your coughing sneeze a bit. So, and, and, and again, just to reiterate what we said, I said at the start there, because we are seeing this, if you're symptomatic, the advice is stay at home, contact your GP, and we will arrange testing. I mean, that is so, so important now, um, because people, I think, it's been going on now for five months, uh, and the, the messages are clear, but people's enthusiasm for them are, 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 is waning, and they are, there's a little bit of complacency there. And, and this virus hasn't changed. So this is the same virus that we had in January, February, March. You know, it's a highly contagious virus. You know that for lots of people, and uh, you know, staff there uh, are identifying the number of people under 45, whether it's lots of people, they will have a mild illness, but... Not everybody. Some under 45 will still be coming well, even without a pre-existing condition, more likely if they have other medical problems. But we, we all have people who live in the vulnerable groups, the elderly, those with pre-existing conditions. And it's important that we do our best to protect those. And, and the other thing that hasn't changed, the virus hasn't changed, Nick, and people haven't changed. Like, we're still uh, no, I think people have changed, Dr. Nick, because like, if you go back to that fateful day when the first case arrived in Dublin Airport or whatever... Uh, obviously, the R rate was zero because there was no one here to transmit the to transmit the virus. Now, now, now the R rate is over one, and there was eighty five new cases yesterday. And so, sir, I think people have changed. I think they've become very complacent. Well, people have become complacent. I think probably when I say people have changed, what I mean is that we haven't changed in our desire or our ability to defend our immune systems. Yeah, so 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 we so we still want to, to to meet our friends. We still want to see our family. We still want to you know have a holiday. That's what I mean by people haven't changed. Like so, so we, our, our DNA to be social beings and be and to be social and to meet people and and to socialize hasn't changed. So that's what I mean by people haven't changed. But I, I, I would agree with you that 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 that, 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 that in, in society we are doing things differently. And hopefully, what we are doing differently, and we need to do it more with more compliance and. Uh, and in, in the wearing of masks, I mean, people are certainly the compliance of masks has increased, uh, and in, in the social distancing, as much as we're doing it, we need to do it more. 
I, I, I would be hopeful that we will see uh, a decrease this winter in other infectious diseases, including flu. Uh, one of the remarkable things uh, for in, in general practice was that in, in January and February we were dealing in cough with a mumps outbreak, uh, and since lockdown uh, happened, obviously the spread of mumps has also decreased. So I think that's a sign that other infectious diseases uh, will be affected by the measures we're taking or that we're trying to implement now as well, which mm-hmm. overall will have will, will be very important going into the winter because clearly the healthcare system uh, has a capacity issue uh, and the less infectious disease we have, the better. Okay, when we last spoke, it was mentioned that if cases go over 100 per day, we would be inexorably heading back into phase two. How possible is that now? Well, I, I think that, it, it, of course, it is, it is possible. Um, and I think to, if you were to, to, if you were to try and, and pick, uh, I suppose, a team for what we need to do now and for the next six or nine months until there is a vaccine, I think the team would be that like, we can't wait for this storm to pass, but we have to learn to dance in the rain. And, okay, a, a step backwards, if it's needed, would be retrograde, be retrograde for the economy, but if it's needed, it's needed. And if we can see, I, I heard you reading out the... Um, there's a newspaper headline before we came on, and we can see what's happening in, in, in northern England, in Manchester, and Yorkshire, where, where their socially restrictive measures are being re implemented. So at, at the moment, it's not affecting business, but it is affecting households. Some households have been asked not to, um, I suppose, in, uh, mingle with each other, so not have anybody over your house or even your garden, actually, um, if they're not from your household. And they're further asking that people, when they do go uh, to a restaurant, that they go with household members. So, so I mean, that's only one step away from from from, from, a, from a further step for for um, you know lockdown measures could be introduced. Okay. So, so I think that we do need like we, we need to keep up our guard. Um, the, the system, from my experience of the other side of the system, is all we talked about. So far, there is people's personal responsibility, which is key, right? That, that's how the team will get control and maintain control. But on the other side, I, I see a lot, a lot of improvements in the system. Like we're now uh, getting same day test appointments for patients, you know, which is fantastic. Mm. We're getting next day test results, and that's where we need to be in order to test trace. So we've learned a lot, we've upskilled a lot, and and if we should get this, and, and I, I hasten to say that the WHO are saying there's no second wave; it's one wave. You're going to get surges and ups and downs and curves and that. It's just the same virus in the same wave, uh, just at different strengths. Uh, the conspiracy theorists will be out there, and no matter what we do today, Dr. Nick, we're going to be accused of scaremongering anyway. So can I put you, uh, with that in mind, can I put this question to you? If you were going to put manners on the public as regards social etiquette and distancing and that before one of the major bank holiday weekends of the year, isn't the Thursday night before the bank holiday weekend the time to release these high figures? Um, well, I don't think that the figures, like in fairness to the Department of Public Health and to Ronan Klein and Tony Hoodham, like they, they have been very transparent um, and I don't think that they would be able to manipulate the figures like that. So the figures are the figures, okay? People okay. have to accept that the figures are the figures. Um, is it a shot across the bow for us going into a bank holiday weekend? Yes, it is. However, I think the bank holiday weekend was always on the radar as, as a risk. You know, our bank holidays, as we all know, our bank holidays, even though when you look out the window this morning, you wouldn't be too inclined for it. But we all know that bank holidays are very social weekends in Ireland always. You know, people are staying at home, socialised, people go away, you know, hotels are full, you know, the, 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 the tourist resorts are full. So, so it, like, it, it is a high-risk weekend, there's no doubt about that. You know, so I think it, it is important that, that people are reminded that the virus hasn't gone away, irrespective of the numbers, the message should be, and, and should maintain to be over the next number of weeks and months, that we need to get back to living, we need to get back to doing business. There's no doubt about that. The personally responsible 
measures that we've discussed already this morning are so, so important. The system on the other side has upskilled, as you've mentioned, you know. We've learned uh, medically a lot about the virus. Uh, from a public health point of view, we know a lot about the virus. But it is still important that people take their personal responsibility in preventing the okay. virus. Seriously. That's a very coherent answer. That'll keep the conspiracy theorists happy because we are getting texts to say, oh, come on, lads, this is just before the bank holiday weekend. And everyone's entitled to their opinion to send their text in here. One quick question, Dr. Nick, before we finish up. Have you seen an increase in people presenting themselves at the surgeries you rep- uh, that you work in with mental health issues, antidepressant requests? Uh, are people stressed out? Are there mental issues starting to come to bear now? Yes, we, we, we certainly are seeing a lot of um, mental health problems uh, across across all, all, all our clinics, um, and, and it's clear that the, that the last number of months have taken like, a toll on the mental health of the population, and that's why it's important that we're supportive of each other. We're not, we're not, we're not critical of each other, you know, and that we help each other through it. And that when you see somebody who's not wearing a mask, that you don't. Uh, take an opportunity to have a joy with them. You know, but you see them who is wearing a mask and don't we will, you don't take an opportunity to have a joy with them. We need to, we need to be supportive of each other now uh, as well as help each other too. But look, what's going to be, this is a, this is a margin, not a sprint. So we've got months of this ahead and we need to be supportive of each other too. Okay, thanks very much for coming on the programme again this morning and for uh, telling us, I suppose quite clearly, we are all still in this together, but there's a lot more collective responsibility is going to have to, and individual responsibility to add to that collective is going to have to be taken on board by each individual citizen of the Republic. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. All the best. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. Nick Flynn, uh, and he represents, of course, my Cork GP. Now, the pub's opening is in jeopardy, uh, and I want to talk quickly to um, Michael before we go, uh, go to a break if I can. Michael O'Donovan is the city chairperson of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Pub's becoming the whipping boy now for a new scare, do you feel? Yeah, look, I suppose, uh, um, Mick, after yesterday's... Um uh, figures came out. It is a, a concern, but the one thing I would say from yesterday's uh, figures is that uh, the acting chief medical officer, Ronan Glynn, stated it last night that the, the vast majority of the numbers last night came from a factory um, in Council Dare, and he also made reference to uh, a house party that uh, that went on. So, like, um, I think it's really unfair that we're keep being brought into this conversation every week. Um, that the pubs are in jeopardy when look, the vast majority, the uh, 40% of bars that are open at present, there is still to date, we are unaware of any case, the chief medical officer or any medical people have not made reference back to any case coming out of any bar that is open to date. Yeah, because there are major hygiene restrictions in place. I mean, even the studio is wiped down uh, and sanitized after each individual presenter comes in and out. That's happening in bars. I've seen it happening. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so the bars that are serving food, maybe they're not 100% compliant on the food, but they're way up there on the sanitization and hygiene. Yeah, Mick, uh, we, we got guidelines to follow for the bars that opened on June the 29th. Um, and like uh, every bar has put in, um, I, I'm sure most members of the public have seen uh, on entry, there's sanitization um, on the way to the toilets and in numerous places around the bars. There's uh, sanitary stations. Staff are following protocols. And they're being checked in the mornings, coming to work. Um, and like the guidelines are being followed by the vast majority of the bars. And can I say that those bars that have been found to be in breach of the rules um, from Vintner's organisation, we've been very strong and clear from day one. Uh, we think that the books should be thrown at those bars that are breached because mm. not doing 
any bar or any member of the organisation any favours by, by floating the law, basically. Probably the biggest weekend of the year is going to see dry taps, dry sinks, uh, dry tables in, as you say, 60% of the bars. It's really going to hurt you. How are you going to make this money up for the winter? Well, the, the honest answer is like, uh, we're not going to make it up. Like I, I'm, I'm here in Kerry for a couple of days. I was in West Cork for a few days talking to lots of publicans. Even look, I was out the night before last myself, my wife and my kids, and at the bar we were in, we had food, we had a few drinks. Uh, come half of nine, uh, the bar was empty practically. And like, uh, look, people of Ireland are well known for when the music comes on at 10 o'clock, there's a bit of a sing-song and we enjoy ourselves up to maybe 12 o'clock on, on any given night. Um, all that revenue has been lost, both for musicians, both for us, the publicans, and I think even the public, uh, I think, are even feeling it at this stage because with the staycations going on, uh, entertainment on night times, especially this time of year in the month of August, the peak for the holiday season in Ireland, um, look, we're just not looking after the customer, and I think it's it's all being felt for everybody, and I think even trust publicans. And if I have uh, I have three kids that are going to be going back to school in September, hopefully, and um, we're all feeling it because trying to get them ready for school, uh, buying school books, everything. It's 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 having major impact on all our lives at the moment. Okay, here's a text I read yesterday from a friend of mine, a publican, an owner of a small pub, and I mean a small pub. Uh, I'm opening the 10th of August. Restrictions or no restrictions. People just need to use common sense coming into the pub. If they're worried about social distancing, stay at home or go to a bigger pub. Five months is long enough to be closed without being told you can only open for 50% capacity. That was yesterday. What if he's told he can't open at all? Yeah, look, it will be a worry. But unfortunately, look, I suppose we um, we would ask our members, we would have to follow the, the guidelines that are set out and... The public health is the number one thing. If we if we all start opening and I suppose floating the laws um, for those that want to obey the laws, it will take even longer. So we will be asking all our members to please follow what the, the guidelines will have in them, and also I suppose to respect what the public health information and I suppose what the government will do in the roadmap. So we are hoping that next Tuesday the government will give us the to go ahead after their cabinet meeting Tuesday afternoon to open on the 10th of August. Okay, the last government announcement regarding your business, uh, you know, the business of all the pubs, came on the Thursday before you were expected to open. Uh, you're yes. absolutely calling for that not to happen again. It has to be Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend. Absolutely, Nick, because last time, look, uh, lots of uh, premises had brought their staff back for training. Some had taken them off the COVID pandemic payment and brought them back on their payroll. Um, they can't then uh, uh, put them back on the COVID pandemic payment. It's been a very, uh, I suppose, long process for some of them to try and get them back to it, dealing with revenue. So, like, uh, leaving it so late, stock was bought in, in many uh, premises. That stock will last these three weeks, though, but may not last much longer. Yes, it would, it would last three weeks. And I suppose, look, to be fair, um, to our two big suppliers, Diageo and Heineken, they have come on board to help those publicans that had stock in, but it's still a headache. It's still it's still messing with publicans' heads in doing this, and um, the worry of us, the, the stress of us. So this is why we're asking cheese for the government to give us the, um, the information on next Tuesday so people can make an informed decision then on getting open for the following Monday if, if we are to be given the green light next mm-hmm. Tuesday. The character that is Michael Healy Ray really hit home with his cheese sandwich uh, kind of thing, a pint in one hand, cheese sandwich, as he says, in the other. Um, 
if the pubs were, were, were to reopen and strict guidelines were in, you know, enforced and respected, uh, and you know, I, I think it's ridiculous that if they open, you can't sit at the bar distanced, but let's see what happens there. Um, do you think that, what, number one, do you think most of your members in the Vintners will respect that six foot distance or three foot distance if it comes down to a meter? Yes, because uh, Nick, we're we're well used to following the, the, the bar industry is one of the most highly regulated uh, industries in Ireland as is. So to be given guidelines to us, it's not uh, anything new. So we can well follow the guidelines um, in respect to social distancing. And um, it's 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 look, all the bars that are open at the moment are doing it, um, and many are doing it to a very very good standard. So. The vast majority of our members will follow what the guidelines are, are stating uh, whenever we get these guidelines, and we will follow it uh, because it, it's our business to try and get open and to get people out and enjoying in a safe environment. And so, like our members will follow whatever is in the guidelines. Okay, I need to go to a break, but the cabinet will also decide on whether larger crowds will be allowed to attend outdoor events such as football and hurling matches. And publicans had been expecting guidelines on how they can reopen to be published by Fulcher Ireland. On Wednesday, however, this move was delayed. Who will publish on Tuesday? Who, who are you waiting for the word for the, the cabinet is on holidays? Uh, will there be an official well, spokesperson? Will the minister do it? Or well, well, no. The, the, what we're told is the cabinet will sit on Tuesday, so the, the senior ministers that are at the cabinet table will be meeting Tuesday. Fair enough. So they will give the, the, the guidelines, or they will give the the word for us whether the roadmap will proceed or not. But okay, so Ireland, hopefully today. We'd be hoping that we will get those guidelines even ahead of next Tuesday's cabinet meeting so that we can start preparing uh, our bars to get reopened. And I guess if any of the publicans were blasé about the daily figures after last night's 85, they're going to be watching that with bated breath every evening over the weekend now. Absolutely, we will. But again, as I reiterate, most of those uh, figures, uh, Nick, there's been none come from bars that are open six weeks now at this date uh, to date. Okay, and it's time you, you you would advocate it's time to give the rest of the bars a chance now. Yes, and look, we can follow the guidelines and I suppose every public can make, can make their decision on whether they want to open if they want to, but um, if we're given the guidelines and given the green lights, we will, we will follow what's in those guidelines to get us all back into working order. All right, Michael, with the Cabinet meeting on Tuesday, we'll know in a few days anyway. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Thanks, Thank cheers. You. Good morning. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Now, I spoke to two young ladies yesterday who were looking for accommodation, and uh, some of the criteria that they were asked to fulfill was mind-boggling. Uh, yeah, we'll happily rent as long as you go home at the weekends. We'll happily rent you as long as we can be sure you have a shower every day. And we'll happily rent as long as you won't be in the house that often. Uh, one of those girls was Emma. She put up a tweet. It's got 30,000... Uh, I'm not into tweet. Is it responses, likes, or reads, or whatever? Hi, Emma. Hi, Mick. So, you've got 30,000 watts on, on Twitter. 30,000 likes, likes on Twitter. Okay. I could not get over it. This is like Kim Kardashian breaking the internet. I'd say Donald Trump is worried. <laughs> I'd say he's even seen it at this stage because I actually went into the analytics and it was like, I think it's nearly like 2 million people that have seen it or interacted with it. I couldn't get over it all because of what that email said about moving in. Wow, okay. And I, I suppose the radio station drove people to look at what you wrote. And that's kind oh, of, it snowballed from there. Our chat yesterday 100% got people 
talking and on it, I'd say, 100% after yesterday get going on air, yeah. And, and as much as it is an online, on-air interview, uh, because I'm talking to you guys, you, you, you did come across as distressingly normal, shall I say. And in that sense, any landlord uh, out there would have said, these two girls are okay. I'd actually rent to them. I don't, they don't you know, I'd actually meet them and, and see if, meet them face to face and give them a place if they're, if they're as good as they sound on the radio. Do you get my drift? You sounded normal. Yeah, and like, we are normal. We're just two sound girls looking for a decent place and not having to put up with all the unnecessary drama. I mean, the email that I got was like, it was almost like a dictatorship household. I was like, I don't want to be in that environment and neither did Nicole. Yeah, and uh, you've had some offers as well. I know there was one in Glanmire. There's been many more as well, though. Yeah, so yesterday, like, my phone was absolutely through the walls hopping and I've got some emails to go through. So I need to get back to people and just see what the scope is there. But thanks to you, Mick, so that's, that's really blew up the whole thing for us. So it's it's great, like. Well, I, you know, I've often found that, that a radio interview can do a lot for somebody looking for a state service, looking to help someone with a disability, looking to help someone. I mean, it must be difficult looking for accommodation at the time of year. Anywhere in the country, not to mention Cork. Yeah, I mean, there's a few people I know from outside Cork and, you know, they're having trouble as well, especially with the expenses and, you know, places that are in the city centre might be a little bit too more expensive or, you know, travel and just things that work situations, work from home. It's kind of, the combination is messy at the moment, Mick. Yeah, and where, where do you, you're still hoping to get city centre or suburb. Would Glanmire, I think, that was one of the offers, would that suit you? That's one you're going to look into? I'm not sure about Glanmire, but I'll have a look into it. It might suit Nicole, um, but we definitely will have a look through them because I know that my phone has been through the roof. Are you hoping, you're hoping to move in together now that you've befriended each other? Yeah, I mean, like, we, we became friends after that, like, situation and we're hoping to kind of stick together now. Like, we're almost like an army here. Like, <laughs> And just in case there are any other landlords listening, what's the uh, individual and collective budget? Um, I think somewhere along four fifty, sixty. I mean, five hundred a push. I mean, like we're good recently graduated. You know, we're not throwing out loads of money here, like, but somewhere reasonable and like if it's a good price and a good area, then it shouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we wish you the very best. Uh, let's let's uh, send you to fifty thousand likes on Twitter, the old Twitter machine today. <laughs> I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced, Emma, that you'll get someplace suitable uh, to live, some suitable accommodation here, where nobody will be questioning whether you've had a daily shower, where nobody will be wanting you to go home at the weekends so they can have the house back to you. <laughs> you'll be able to rent a place and use it as In you wish. Comfort. Yeah. yeah, that's no, what we want. We don't want to be told what to do. <laughs> no noisy house parties now, okay? No, no, no. We will. We keep it. We keep it tame. Okay. Thanks a million, Emma. Thanks for the catch up. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks. Bye bye. 30,000 after yesterday's uh, program. 30,000 likes on uh, Twitter. Interesting post from publican Benny McCabe uh, and on his Facebook page. Shame on you, primetime. Absolute gutter press carry on. Why didn't we have an investigation into restaurants a month ago, uh, let alone the rest? I used to take pride in the fact that our national broadcaster had a broad, radical, nonconformist streak in general, which goaded the neo-Puritans and the pre-social media Karens that populated the outrage columns of the old print media. And I'm not talking about the red tops. I know this spirit still exists in RTE, which is why this is all the more shocking. 
Tonight, all over Ireland, hardworking publicans and their families are adhering to the guidelines, and many more are like I and my customers, awaiting guidance on reopening. Yet Primetime goes in, targets less experienced people, and actually coerced, in my opinion, weak staff to give them a beer. For the love of God, we need to have a serious conversation in this country. It's time to ask all politicians of all hues to stop hiding behind the advice and answer one question before we go back to ignoring all the homeless deaths this last week. Expressly, why are you targeting pubs while ignoring everything else? A public house by law is a section of one's residence licensed for the sale of excised beer, wines and spirits. Our residences are closed, but it's business as usual in everyone else's home nationwide tonight. Can we have a legitimate response, please? The humble pub, wow, the rise and fall of Western democracies, they will write a hundred years from now, will be characterised by the same factors that brought about the collapse of the Roman Empire, internal decay and external attack. It is my opinion that we don't even need the external attack. We'll have done it to ourselves. Now, I welcome any uh, debate on the above, but if you disagree, without putting forward a reasonable debate, I prefer if you would unfriend me, please, uh, but wishing you all the best, all the same. The redoubtable Benny McCabe, who has many, many pubs, uh, some of which have tentatively reopened, but some, as he says, who are awaiting guidelines so that they might responsibly uh, reopen as well. And I think we're trying to get in touch with Benny for a quick chat, if that's possible. Perhaps not. Now then, it is 12 minutes to, ni- to 10 o'clock. We're back in a moment. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And a very good morning at 10 minutes to 10. We have on line one Captain Michael McCarthy, or as I know him, Mick. Good morning, Mick. Good morning, Mick. How are you? I'm good. Now, you're the chairman of Cru- Cruise Europe, and you're going to tell me something I didn't know until I spoke to you yesterday. There's a train crossing of the river proposed which will block off the upper city keys. Tell us about it. Okay, look, as part of the uh, multi-billion euro Cork transport plan, uh, the, they've, they've identified uh, 25 Lewis stops um, and the councillors were briefed last week by the National Transport Authority on the route of the, the, the uh, new Lewis uh, system. Um, uh, before I kind of go into the negatives, Mick, I'd like to say that I think the plan is fantastic. I think it's brilliant that they're pedestrianised the streets, alfresco dining, etc., etc. But they're again typical of authorities in Ireland. Water transport is neglected, and water. Everybody turns their back. Turns their back. It's, it's an old adage Literally, of Tom McSweeney. It's an old adage. Tom McSweeney coined that phrase many years ago. That, that successive yeah. governments turned their back on the water. And basically, the route proposed, Mick, is to come from Mahan, which I, I think it's, a, a, as I said, a light rail system will be absolutely fantastic for the city. But they're proposing to bring it up the marina and cross the River Lee, put in a new bridge, down if people going into the city know where Adlam's, that beautiful building across the river, mm-hmm. literally that's on Mill Street, they're putting in a new fixed bridge across there to link up Houston Station. So basically, what it will basically mean is that they're going to cut off all of uh, Horgan's Key, Penrose Key, North and South Custom House Key, the pontoons for visiting yachts and powerboats, Albert Key, the South Jetties, the whole city, you will never again have a large ship in the city. So you're literally going, to, the only thing that's going to be above that bridge will be a rowing boat. And people can walk from the Northgate Bridge down as far as Collins's Bridge and uh, De Valera Bridge. And literally you see nothing in the river. People are 
really unaware about the river. And at least when you come down, you'll see a ship, you'll see a boat, mm-hmm. you'll see a foreign naval vessel, you might see a submarine, you'll see a tall ship. And you might see you'll small see liners, which is going to be the way of the future, isn't it? Correct, correct, absolutely. And that is the way of the future. And in, and the small liners docking there on Hogan's Quay or North Cousin House Quay or the South Jetties, you will not have a ship in the city, despite we have probably the best pilots in the world. We've got the captains of ships that want to come up to the city. But the danger and the insurance implications of hitting a fixed bridge, they will not be able to manoeuvre the ships once they put that railway crossing in. And the sad thing, Mick, is that there's an alternative route. There was a route going back 150 years ago when they put in the Cork to Black Rock Passage Crosshaven rail line. And it followed the, the route across the Clontarf Bridge, the Brian Boru Bridge. Those people old enough will remember the, the, the train coming out of Houston or out of Cork Kent, Station. Out of Kent Station. Yeah, I remember it myself. Yeah, coming up around the Coliseum Corner mm-hmm. and going across the two bridges. And what a fantastic route for a new Lewis line without incurring the cost and blocking off the river for future generations. Um, uh, Mick, you used to work as commercial manager for the Port of Cork. You retired from that position, but the buildings you used to occupy have been sold and they obviously have a a perfect key frontage for for leisure marine use. How are the new uh, occupants going to feel if they're blocked off 500 yards down the river by a bridge? Well, I'd say, well, let's put it like this, Mick. I don't think they're going to be too happy because if you look at, you know, we've been promoting the river for years, ocean to city, uh, but what's a maritime festival going to look like without ships? And basically, this is what the decision by City Hall are going to make. I honestly feel that there is no empathy or there's no feel for people in the City Hall in relation to how important the river is. Nothing know anything about a ship. They don't care about ships and they literally don't look at the river as an amenity but also as a transport link. For example, you can have you could have a ferry part of the proposal in the future would be to run a ferry from maybe Tivoli or Black Rock right up into the city centre. You will not be able to do that. As I said to you, if I suppose for people if they want to see what the river is going to look like, go down by the the coffee pods there by the Clarion Hotel and look at the pontoon there and you'll see a couple of rowing boats alongside. That is what the city is going to look like in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's a post-rail bridge. No merchant vessels will advance to the city. No foreign naval vessels. No small cruise vessels. No ferries from Cove or Crosshaven or from Monkstown or from Passage. Uh, possibly even from Rochestown if there's a bit of dredging done. Um, this fix bridge will really sterilise the city. Horgan's Key, Penrose Key, North and South Custom House Key uh, from any sort of maritime traffic except, as you say, the low-profile rowing boats. Absolutely. And look, in about 30 years ago, Dublin Port uh, put in the East Link Bridge and that was even an opening. It is an opening. It bridge. is an opening bridge, yeah. And you get the odd ship going up there and you get the odd yacht going up there. But... In the Dublin Port 2040 Master Plan, the second objective of the 2040 Master Plan is to reintegrate the port with the city. All over Europe, Mick, I, I'm as chairman of Cruise Europe, I'm representing 140 ports, right all of the big ports from Copenhagen, Stockholm, Oslo. 
every one of them are integrating ships back into the city centre. Why? Because they're pedestrianising the edges of the city, they want the people to go down, and they want to link with their maritime heritage. Mm-hmm. Mike, you're, you're speaking to the converted here, but unfortunately I can't speak to any longer because I have news at 10 on the way. Could I, impose, could I impose on your time maybe for a brief interview after the news at 10? Because there's a few things that I just haven't had time to get to. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll come back to you after news at 10. Mick McCarthy, okay, Captain Mick. Mick McCarthy, Chairman of Cruise Europe. We'll speak to you again after 10. Thanks. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Now, before 10, we were talking to Captain Michael McCarthy, Chairman of Cruise Europe. And uh, just to finish on a couple of points, Michael, uh, you wanted to make one important point before the end. Do you remember what that was? I do, yeah. I, I You know, Mick, uh, we live literally, I mean... The city are turning their back on the river, as I said. Next month, uh, it was reported in the Echo last week. That's what really got my back up. Um, they've uh, appointed specialist, a specialist engineering team to undertake a route analysis for this railway. And obviously the cheapest, are, it's not the cheapest, it, it's the easiest is to come straight across the river without any concept or, of the implications that's likely to have. Mick, we live on an island. We have a great maritime heritage. We should be proud of. And we've inherited a really brilliant resource. You know, for, for it's for pleasure, it's for economics, it's for the well being of the people. And it's no of us to ensure that we leave it as a legacy and in a state for the next generation. Because if we block off the river, it'll be blocked off forever and people will never see a ship. Yeah, sa- sailing ships city. sailed up as far as the coal cave at one stage and progress and, you know, the growing well, population absolutely. dictated yeah, that, that bridges come down river as we grow. Well, that, that's correct. and But they've gone far enough. I mean, the port is moving to Ringeskiddy. Mm-hmm. They're doing their part. The commercial shipping will go. It will actually free up the city for more small cruise ships. It'll free it up for naval vessels. It'll, it should be the most attractive. Can you imagine the pontoons in the evening without being a, a yacht or a motorboat being able to get up and dock in the city centre? It is just such a backward step. Really, it's, I'm, I'm absolutely horrified. I really am. And it just shows, again, that there's no empathy. There's absolutely no empathy, just a complete lack of interest in the water in Ireland. The next thing we'll have is be Jimmy Crowley. You know, we all love the banks of my own lovely Lee. It'll be the banks of my own closed-off Lee, or something, <laughs> because that's that's where we're heading. Mick, the reason I wanted to bring you back on in, is uh, in your capacity as, as as chairman of Cruise Europe. Uh, yeah. Just very quickly, what what do you see the future of cruising to be now? Because uh, I'm looking at ships being uh, being mothballed, looking at ships being uh, scrapped in Turkey. Uh, is it going to be a new reality? Uh, especially the people at Cove who depend, you know, 60 liners a year, thanks to your good self. Smaller ones, less frequent ones, how's it going to be? Well, Mick, there was actually 105 due this year. There was 110 booked for next year, and you go from that down to zero. Um, and it's look, it's the same throughout uh, the world. And unfortunately, uh, I mean, the maritime community didn't uh, cover themselves with glory uh, by leaving the ships in Japan and America, uh, leaving them at sea with people. I mean, when you look at the Diamond Princess, the first one that really was highlighted, there was one passenger detected with COVID. And because she wasn't allowed to dock for two weeks, it spread to about, I think, to a 400 deaths and uh, multiple, multiple uh, infections. And gave so, the impression that cruise ships are petri dishes. 
Absolutely. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. Instead of get, putting the ship in, getting that person off, and everybody else would have been fine. And this did the same. Donald Trump did the same in San Francisco. He refused to let another princess ship. And, you know, you, but you had probably 70% or 80% of the ships sailing the world that had no outbreaks on world cruises because, okay, it can, once it gets on board, it can spread like anywhere else. It's like any, it's like our nursing homes. It's like anywhere else like that. But you keep it off. The future will be a new norm, Make It will come back. It will come back stronger. I don't see 100 ships back in Cove, possibly until 2022, 2021, 2022. But there will be, there's new protocols. I'm involved actually with the EU in developing new protocols in relation to um, boarding ships. You'll not be able to board a ship without health clearance. Uh, the vaccine obviously will help. Government and local restrictions will take precedence, as they do in Ireland. You know, the bus, uh, the distancing on bus, all the usual things, washing hands, barriers, etc. But it's going to be up to the national governments uh, throughout the world to take down the barriers that are currently in place and look at the port restrictions uh, that are currently in place. Uh, ships are not allowed, cruise ships are not allowed dock in Ireland. That's a government decision. So unless they lift that, uh, they're not going to come back. But in Germany, for example, currently you have what they call blue cruises. People are joining the ship. They're COVID-free. The people going on board have all been tested. The crew have been tested. They're going out for two or three days into the North Sea, into the Baltic. Not landing uh, then. Not landing at the moment. Okay. They're doing, they're doing Norway, they're doing Iceland. And, you know, but come September, they're going to uh, start coming into our region. Uh, AIDA, two e cruises, they all have uh, plans to come into our region. And with the proper protocols in place, I would have no uh, hesitation, you know, if I was still working in the port, uh, put in proper procedures put in proper protocols and I'd welcome back to ships. I okay. don't see a lot of them coming back this year. Mate. Okay, can I just say for anyone who's not been on a cruise and who might feel it's elitist or it's full of old people in wheelchairs, such is not the case. <laughs> it's probably the best value and most entertaining holiday you'll ever have. Plan one ahead for a year, year and a half's time uh, and get saving if you need to. But it's a fantastic way to spend some time and see lots of places. And with and with the and obviously now that they're uh, you know coming from a zero point, the deals that are going to be there in 2021, 2022, even uh, they're offering free everything on board, free drink, uh, food is obviously they're looking at free excursions, uh, the discounting that's going on. But again, but of course you cannot have a cruise industry without an airline industry. So if people cannot fly to join ships. Literally, you can't sail. So and that's why the it, next it, few days are crucial here. When we when we look at the R rate and we look at the num- number of cases here, let's hope this is just an isolated spike last night, and that we can start to begin to return to normal. Captain Michael McCarthy, gotta leave it there. Thanks very much, as always, uh, for coming on and for knowing your subject. <laughs> you really do. Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Mick. All the best. Thanks. Bye bye. Morning, Mick. My uncle Mick Glanville is listening in Newtown Cove. Hope you are well. Hi to all the family. Also to Mary McGroarty, Inishmore Park in Cove, and all the family and my parents, Kathleen and Michael Forrest in Rushbrook and Cove. That's from Michelle and Michael uh, Abibi and Christopher Forrest in Boston, who are listening right now. Cheers, Mick. If you can throw it in through the program, we would appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, by text, great interview, Mick, with Captain Michael McCarthy. Would concur. It would be such a shame to disregard the continued and future potential of the river to the city. The rivers in any city are wonderful attractions, says Carmel. Make we should have a beautiful city. Lewis to bring people back to the city. 
We have the Killarney ship that should have been uh, a, re- a floating restaurant. That was sent to Dublin as a restaurant and they sold it for 75 grand. Return the train to Yall. Sadly, we have Micheál Martin, Michael McGrath, Simon Coveney that has no interest in Cork and won't fund projects for Cork. I'll give them a chance. They're just in. Yes, Mick, I agree 100% with Captain McCarthy. We live in a sea-blind nation and ships used to travel up as far as the shaky bridge, not just the coal cake. Steamships with a big wheel at the stern, says Chris Kipper in for my I've got a very, very powerful email to read. First of all, I just want to make an observation. We were going for lunch yesterday and said we'd go to lunch in Douglas, okay? Me and the fam. Uh, so we uh, were driving through Douglas and this, uh, and I don't mean to uh, cast dispersions in any business for being closed, but a lot of them are not open for lunch anymore. In fact, it's difficult to find anywhere. Uh, not anywhere, but it's difficult to find a place outside of a, uh, a functioning bar that does food. Uh, so driving through Douglas, uh, Casey's was closed. Uh, the lights were on. They're obviously going to open later in the afternoon. Uh, the Chinese is called the Rose Garden, I think, get door open there. Uh, the bars were open, of course. Uh, Barry's door was open. Eco's was still closed. And uh, went around, of course, McDonald's is open. Uh, very popular ramen uh, was to open at four o'clock, but not open for lunch. Uh, McDonald's obviously was. The East Village, the lights were on. Um, but when we went to the, to the door, uh, that was closed, obviously opening up later on. And so we went to the back village, uh, where Haveli was closed. John O'Sullivan's obviously open. The South County was open. The stores were open. Uh, and eventually, uh, because we found a parking space. Oh, by the way, we passed uh, 12 tables as well uh, in Douglas. And that was open, but there was no parking. And so looking for parking, there was one outside Roosters. And in we went into Roosters Piri Piri. And it's a thing we miss on this program because we used to do this every Friday, uh, is doing the Free Food Friday. And when COVID restrictions are relaxed, uh, I'm sure uh, the Roosters Piri Piri will be back on this program again. But we had a fabulous lunch in there. And I just want to say hi and thanks to all the staff and to Mark O'Donoghue, who tells me he's expanding now into Dublin. They're in Blackpool. Of course, and they are in Douglas, and now he's expanding into Swords in Dublin. So the continuing success uh, that he deserves, we wish uh, for Dublin as well, to Mark O'Donoghue and all at Roosters Perry Perry. Now then, let's go to line four and to... Oh, will I read that email or will I... Okay, read the email first, because this is going to get a reaction. This is really, really heartbreaking. Hi, Mick. I am 52 next year, and I have absolutely no friends. I have acquaintances, but nobody wants to go for a drink with me or go to the pictures with me. My husband of 11 years is a homebody and does not want to go out anywhere as he's always tired and goes to bed at 10 p.m. I'm going mad with loneliness and I'm becoming desperately sad and he knows this, but he won't entertain the thought of us going out at night. I've often asked women I know if they'd like to go for a coffee sometime, but I met with yes, we will. And then nothing happens, despite asking uh, when uh, when asking them if they're free. I actually ask them to go for a coffee. Nothing happens. The rejection of my old friends is very hard to take. I had no party for my 50th. I got no flowers. I got one card and no phone calls. I wasn't even taken out for a meal. One person I know on Facebook had five different events for her birthday. And that really hit me hard. One asked me out for drinks to celebrate. I'm a nice woman. I'm friendly to everyone, and I have been a shoulder to cry on for many people over the years. I have no children or family as well, so I have no one to turn to there. Despite the depression and anxiety, I am bubbly, kind, quick-witted, and very considerate of others, and will do anything for anyone. My customers love me, as I am so cheerful and friendly, but this sadness is creeping into my daily life. Disappointment has ruled my life. I try to make the best of it, but it's becoming more difficult as I get older. Is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? I've joined night classes and crafts groups, but there always seems to be a click 
in them. I'm not looking for sympathy here. I just need some advice on what on earth I can do to make friends and do other people have the same situation as me. Thank you for reading this and I feel a bit better getting it off my chest. And it is signed, but I'll keep the name private just in case because uh, it is a kind of a, it isn't, wouldn't be a common name. So I just keep that to, to myself if you don't mind on that one. Now let's go to line four and Amy. Good morning, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hi, I think this is for the wrong line. For the wrong reading out of the email. No, no. No? Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Um, I just read the email. I'm coming to you for a different topic. Oh, a different topic. Oh, perfect. Okay, perfect. <laughs> There's sorry. no water in Killeen's. Nothing to do with the email. Okay, perfect. Yes, again. Um, which is not so perfect. So, basically, like, I'm just ringing, really, just out of desperation um, at this point. Um, I'm living in Killeen's the last five years. Um, now, this is nothing got to Irish water, but between the power and the water, every other week it alternates where we don't have one of each, okay? Um, now, it was fine when I was single and it's me and my husband, but like, as many people do, we have two small children now, a toddler and a 12 week old baby. And then I woke up this morning, since 6am, there's been no water. Um, this only happened again, I'd say, two weeks ago. Um, I got on to local TV, Jamie and Boylan. Um, he did, in fairness, now at the time, reach out and try to get answers. But basically, each time we're just being met with a brick wall, there's just been no answers, really. Um, they keep just patching up whatever line we're on. I'm not doing really kind of maintenance that is clearly needed at this point. Mm-hmm. And each time that we ring, basically, um, we get told, oh, you know, the, the normal should be like, um, the more people ring, the more we'll get on it and the more it'll become priority. But at okay. this point, I'm kind of saying, are we not priority now? Seeing if you go back over all their records, um, it's every other week. So I'm just really desperate and I'm just, I suppose, ringing at this point to see if there's anything in your power that you could possibly do to help the residents of Clean and the further areas around to, to okay. help really. So Killeen's is north of Blackpool and before you come to Blarney, isn't it? So it's what you see, the yeah. buildings on the right-hand side as you go from, say, Blackpool to on the Mallow Road. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So we're not exactly country, we're suburban area. We're actually back to the city now since last May. Um, like, there's not, like, the thing is, like, there's not many houses out here. Um, but whatever line, or what I don't really understand the terminology, whatever line you seem to have for the piping system, it seems to be quite a long one. So if one area is down, we're all down. And the same with the power in the area. Okay, um, Ir- Irish Water apparently saying there's no reported problems. Yeah, yeah, they are. And every time we ring, it's the same thing. Um, literally, we have a Blarney blog um, Facebook page. And each time there's an outage, um, all the residents go on, report each other first, and then we kind of make a plan, okay, who's going to call? Can we put up the, you know, the, the reference numbers and things like that? Um, just by having reference numbers this morning, this is it, that there's been no reports. And what I got told on the phone was that, um, oh, whilst we're on the phone call right now, they might be ringing and they might be reporting now. And, like, normally when a technician goes out, that's when they update the website. And I said, I know exactly how you work. It probably won't go up to, like, practically the middle of the day because that's the norm they will give us a promised time of return and it's probably about three hours after that again mm-hmm. because they're never on time okay um, it's just getting to a point really where like ugh, I'm just ready to blow gasket I, I'm just so so frustrated like as I say I'm one of many that has like little small children that rely on sanitization of bottles making of bottles with the middle of a global pandemic at the moment can't even sanitize properly that means then I have to go out of the house, well, now thankfully the rain is easier off, but go, go out of the house with two young children to get water, whether it's at my mother's, my mother-in-law's, or to go to the garage again to buy warm water. 
And at this point, it's just like, it's like a third world country. I know now your listeners probably laugh at that, but it's like, if you understood how often this happens, like, they would be the right thing. It's just so frustrating. Okay. How long is it going on for? Oh, since I moved in five years ago, and that's not even a joke. Um, like, we bought out, had we known, be honest, as much as we love our house, we love our areas, our baby's home, like, I would not have bought. And the funny thing is, like, they're trying to do development in the area, right outside our estate, right on the next estate, and the Sester estate, and the Wilson Set Ridge um, complex. And I just have to laugh, because there's nobody going to want to buy, because at this point, like, they're going to be without water every other week, and that's the truth. Our own houses are going down in value because people know the area and they know that every other week there's no power for water. We're like literally stuck in a rush, and as much as we're trying to reach out and try and get answers, it's just feeling, feeling like it's falling on deaf ears, really. Okay. Nobody wants help. Here's a statement from Irish Water dated today, the 31st of the 7th, uh, 2020. Uh, and it's reference C-O-R. I wonder, is that down to Corona? Oh, no, it's Cork. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 0002469. Uh, Burst Water Main dash Cork. Uh, and the topic is water outage and traffic disruptions. Repairs yeah. to a burst water main may cause supply disruptions to Killeen's, Carhu, Kilcully and surrounding areas in County Cork. So I think it's wider than Killeen's. A traffic yeah. management plan will be in place for the duration of the works. Now, the works have an estimated completion time of 5pm yeah. on the 31st of July. So 5pm today. We recommend that you allow two to three hours after the estimated restoration time for your supply to fully return. Please take note of that reference number and enter it into the search bar should you wish to return for an update. Do you have the search number? So it's Cork 20469. Uh, if you want to tap that in a little later on. But it's looking like a 5pm return. It's looking like a bigger problem. Uh, but thank you for highlighting the ongoing issue uh, that is in Colleen's. And maybe we can get some further concentration from Irish Water on rectifying that problem. It's not just today. Like today was just, I suppose, breaking point kind of thing. I mm-hmm. wake up yet again. This one I have to go again. Um, and as I said, it's not just Colleen's. Like I was just highlighting my own actual area. But it, it does affect the surrounding areas. As I said, whatever means we seem to be on. It seems to be like quite a long line where a lot of people are affected each time. Okay. I just said, why now, if I could get you to just highlight that it is happening often, we are absolutely desperate to seek help and nobody seems to want to help or listen, really. Well, we've shown a little bit of a light on it now. Repairs to a burst water main, though. Uh, That seems to be the actual problem and it may cause, it is causing supply disruptions in Colleen's, Carew, Kilcully and surrounding areas in County Out. They're on at five o'clock the estimated time a couple of hours after that for your supply to fully return please keep in touch with the programme if it continues to happen and we'll continue May to I highlight it for add you add one more point if that's okay though um, like each time it is to the main so there's obviously a, a deeper issue than what's happening if that makes sense like they seem to be catching up each time rather than taking contingency plan to actually put in place to perhaps in time over time I know it's not going to happen overnight replace the bloody things do you know mm-hmm. Like, it's just always a patch-up, it's a cover-up, it's a fix-up. It's never actually going to fix the issue. There's clearly an underlying issue that needs to be highlighted, and that's really, I suppose, my main point of bringing today, not that just we're out today. Yeah, great words, patch-up, cover-up, fix-up. Yes. <laughs> well done. Thank, thanks, thanks, Amy. Glad to highlight it for thanks you. Please so keep much. in touch if it happens again. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Bye bye. It's twenty six minutes after ten o'clock now. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Coming up on ten thirty. Morning to Maeve on line one. Hi, Maeve. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Now I have a photograph that we uh, obviously can't show on radio, but we will put on our social media outlets. Okay. Very nice. Thanks very much. Okay. Uh, Describe the photograph to me and exactly what you want people to look at it for. 
And this is a picture of my grandmother, Tilly. She was eventually Tilly Fleischmann, but in the photograph, she was Tilly Sverts as, as a young woman. And it's a photograph of her confirmation. And it seems to be kind of in an oratory, possibly attached to um, a convent or whatever. But there were so many possibilities, and we don't know where that picture was taken. It's not essential to know, but it would be just nice to know where it was taken. Because she was in school in St. Angeles, and this is not St. Angeles. Her okay. father was organist in St. Vincent in Sunday as well, and it's not in St. Vincent. So right, we don't okay. know where it was. It, 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 it does seem to be a place that, that, that has some respect for religion. There's, there's a picture of uh, Mary and or there's a statue of Mary and baby Jesus behind her. Uh, that, that, I won't say it's an altar, it's on a plinth. Behind her. I can't see, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's, yeah, it's one or the other anyway. Uh, they're, they're in a robe anyway. It's on a plinth and, and that's obviously been respected by those who, who are, you know, into that religion because it's uh, all decorated with flowers and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she's there in her lovely little, uh, her little, confirmation outfit and I actually have that veil and little headpiece here <laughs> we, we are hoarders as families we have everything yeah okay but, the, uh, um, it's just be nice to know who, who where it was taken okay uh, the tiling on the floor uh, although common uh, is, is something I seem to remember in Kent Station I wonder would it be there which have been going away on a, on a confirmation treat I wonder I have no idea. Would they have had a statue of, of, of Jesus and Mary or Mary and whoever? Who knows? What, what year was it? You know, you must know if it's a confirmation. It was in, 18, it was in 1895. 1895. And we'll put yeah. it up on uh, our Facebook and uh, our Twitter account, our Instagram account, Neil's Instagram account. Uh, it's a very angelic picture. 1895. It's 125 years ago. Uh, and there's very little detail now. There's a sort of a sunlight um, over her head. It used to be kind of like, like um, sometimes I was actually in, I went up to the North Press and looked around and sent me there. And sometimes when they have an enclosed garden behind, they build a kind of a conservatory and make it into an oratory. Mm-hmm. But that's the tiling, the places I've been to, the tiling is all different. Okay. As far as I'm wondering. But maybe somebody, maybe somebody has a granny that they might show it to and say, do you remember that? Because one person did suggest that maybe it was the Broad Lane Church, which was taken down to build St. Francis now, and there's no photograph left of Broadlane. Okay. Because they lived on the Dyke Parade, that would have been just down the road from the house. Well, let's see if we can reach into the past. We will put it up on, the, on our social media. We will, as you say, it's not the end of the world. It's not essential. Yeah. Yeah. It's not life or death. But you'd, you'd like to know, and let's see if we can reach into the past and, and solve it for you. It's a little bit of a puzzle. So very good. No problem. So very good. Thanks, Thanks a million. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Now to our text, and there are so many, and we're just not going to get to them all. Apologies if you texted in or emailed in. Uh, we could be here all weekend until Neil comes back, and we still wouldn't get through them. Mick, I was very annoyed with your good self yesterday morning when you were in agreement with some callers saying all pubs should be open. Uh, Mick went back to before lockdown, and all pubs were full to the brim with customers. The R rate is up because of house parties mainly. I hope you agree with this. How then would a pub be any different? to a house party. I would venture that a well-run pub uh, observing social distancing would be well different to a house party uh, where I think reckless abandon would be more the the norm, especially with the young people when they get there. You know, they're feeling a little bit insulated and safe from the virus, especially when alcohol kicks in. But that's just me. I don't want to be putting down anyone having house parties either. I just think a well-run, orderly pub observing, and I've been in one, uh, just just to, for the sake of having a pint, it was a completely different experience. Uh, but there you go. Now another text: People died during this pandemic. Pandemic. Uh, sorry, it's the same text. Uh, more were and still are very sick after contracting this virus. By opening up the pubs, you are kicking all the frontline workers in the teeth. In my humble opinion, they work their socks off to keep us as safe as possible. 
The US opened too soon and look at them now. 70,000 cases a day. Spain, France, Sweden, UK and many more have cases on the increase. What do we want to bring the virus into our homes for a measly couple of pints? The majority of pubs open now are clearly making a financial killing as they're openly flaunting the law. Uh, are you flaunting your words, not mine. That should be flouting, I'd say. Uh, you know it, I know it, and every dog on the street knows it. We went from stage two to stage uh, three too quickly. The government bowed to pressure when they should have stood firm. It's economics before lives, and that's a fact. Thanks, Anthony, for that. Sorry I uh, made a personal comment in the middle. I didn't realise it was uh, all the one text, but well done. Um, uh, Anthony annoyed with me over comments on the pub's reopening. Pubs breaking guidelines is another one. Hello, make apologies for not including contact information. I want to... Uh, I'm keen to remain anonymous in this circumstance. We do have a number, though. Uh, I live in close proximity to a pub ever since lockdown. They've hosted a number of non-distance events with large groups, not to mention a continuation of the same, despite complaints being made to the council and the guardie. You'll find records of these should you choose. Given the times and circumstances we're in, and considering that the former Taoiseach responded to children asking about hosting birthday parties, saying they shouldn't do so, uh, shouldn't public representatives be held accountable in these circumstances? It just seems like they're just taking the pee at this point. Thanks in advance and love the show. I'm not sure if that was Taoiseach for Adgar at the time, or was it Simon Harris, then Minister for Health? And one more. The pub scenario is nothing but a joke. Make the pub scenario nothing but a joke. The new fashion, so to speak, is serving pizzas and not even adhering to that with everyone. Plus, the time limit is another joke. Not happening. People are there three, four and five hours. Serious issue on the way, for sure. But I love the show. And that comes from... Mary. Uh, hi Mick, can you please wish our neighbours the very best uh, today as they tie the knot. They are Caroline O'Keefe and Richard Lenehan in Balancholic and they're becoming husband and wife. They are the best neighbours in the world and we wish them the very best for today and for the rest of their lives together. From all at Old Fort Gate Balancholic and especially the Horgan clan. Isn't that a lovely request? Richard Lenehan uh, in Balancholic and Caroline O'Keefe tying the knot today. I'm sure it's going to be a little smaller uh, and a little more distanced and a little less huggy and feely uh, than a normal wedding would have been. But fair play to you for going ahead and all the very best to you from all at Old Fort Gate and Balancholic and especially the Horgan clan. Now then, let's go to our phone lines and don't forget you can phone us on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. You can text 086-8104-106 or you can email neil at redfm.ie. Leona, good morning to you. Hello. Hi, Leona. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Can I say something before we start? Yes, of course, yes. I think you're very, very brave for coming on. <laughs> Thank for, you. For, for you, were the, you were the scribe. You were the, you were the person who wrote that email. Mm. And I read about five minutes ago. What persuaded you to come on air? Um, I read your Facebook page and I look at the answers for uh, whatever reason the people are are emailing you and I find a lot of good things that come up on the answers to the questions that the people have and I thought maybe it'd be a good idea just to see if anyone is in the same boat as me and if there's anything anyone can suggest to make it easier for me to make friends because it's impossible at the moment. Okay, so no, let, let's synopsize again. You're 52 okay. next year. You've absolutely no friends. Your husband yeah. is a home bird. Nothing against yeah. that. But you mm-hmm. you kind of don't go out at all. No. Uh, okay, he's a homebody, doesn't want to go out, goes to bed at 10 p.m. No. You're going mad yeah. with loneliness and you're becoming desperately mm-hmm. sad. Uh, yeah. And reading your letter, I think it's starting to get a bit of a grip on you now. Uh, because you, you, you just need some advice. You've been to night classes and crafts groups. There always yeah. seems to be a click in them. 
yeah. and you're not looking for sympathy, but you just need advice on what you can do to make friends. So you've tried everything. I have tried everything. I've gone, as I said, I've done a night courses. I've done a, a year of study and basically just go past the chat stage. And if I offer, say, or suggest a night out, we'll, we'll have a night out, we'll have a bit of fun. It's kind of, yeah, we'll do it. And it's nothing ever comes of it. Mm-hmm. Even if I try to make a suggestion, put down a date or whatever like that. So it makes me look a little bit kind of needy. And yeah, I don't well, want to be that I, I'm just going to just gonna say, is it because you don't have any friends that when you get a chance of maybe making an appointment to meet somebody for a coffee, are you being a little over eager maybe? No, 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 no. I'm very conscious of that fact. Um, because I'm very anxious about a lot of things, I always make sure not to put pressure on people or I, I can spot a, um, a, a vibe a mile off. I mean, mm. I don't put that on people at all. Um, I just make a suggestion, how about next Friday, the week after? And if yeah. they say, yeah, I'll get back to you, and I don't push it. Okay, you have, in your writing, you, you display a certain element of self-confidence. You say, I'm a nice woman. I'm friendly yeah. to everybody. I've been a shoulder uh-huh. to cry on for many people over the years. Um, yeah. But you have no children or family, so no one to turn to there. And that has led to a little bit of depression and anxiety because you've no one yeah. to turn to. But you say yeah. you're bubbly, kind, quick-witted, and very considerate of others and will do anything for anyone. Doesn't a person like that deserve some friends now? Well, that's what has me kind of depressed and anxious because I think I do and I think I I, I have been and I will always be um, a friend to people but it doesn't seem to be reciprocated and that's what's getting me down. That's what's causing me an awful lot of heartache that I cannot understand why I cannot make friends. And I just, I'm trying to figure it out and I'm watching my my personality and how I, I interact with people. And I don't think I'm doing anything wrong, but I, I'm at a loss. I really am. I'm at a loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, we're obviously going to get people who are going to offer to meet you and, and be friends with you. And, you know, you, you've got to be yeah. careful too because... We, you know, the power of this program, you might get a dozen people wanting to meet you and their hearts are going to be in the right place. But how, yeah. how will you know if, if it's right? Like, so yeah. What I'm trying to get to is what are your hobbies? What are your interests? How will you know if, if, if there's a kindred spirit out there that, uh, you know, can have a platonic relationship, uh, yeah. woman to woman or woman to man or whatever? Yeah. Uh, and is it, is it only female friends you're looking for? Would a man friend well, do? No, no, a man friend, anything at all, just to kind of get me out of the house and just to meet up with somebody just or people just to kind of see go to a garden centre, go to um the pictures, go to um an event of some sort. Um yeah, no, it's I can, I can as I said, I can spot a vibe prop somebody fairly quickly and I know if they're genuine or not. I am actually quite good at that. I'm actually scarily good at that. So I mean um I would it would I'd need a, a a bit of conversation between myself and that other person before I make any any um any uh, decisions, but usually I'm okay on that. I can I can trust people out. Okay, so what what are your interests, Leona? I I well, I'm big passionate um, animal lover. I love art. I love crafts. Um, I love cinema. I love events. I love concerts. I do. I like. I love a lot of things. I like going out. I love seeing bands. Well, it's a long time since I've seen a band. But sitting in a pub and listening to music or just having a chat with somebody—that's just sounds bliss to me, absolute bliss. But um, who, who would your bands be now? Because there's a big difference between Daniel O'Donnell and Megadeth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm more of a kind of an 80s girl, so it'd be kind of 80s and um, just kind of 
kind of general. I'm not a country music fan. I'm really not. I just can't get into it. But I understand a lot of people are. So I hope I don't cause offence. No, I, <laughs> but, I, um, I, I can't get Irish country music. But you know, and but I I love the, the real thing. I'm not. I'm going to get in trouble over that now. I just don't like Irish country music. Anyway, you were telling Brenda that you have low confidence, and that kind of centres around your weight. Yes, yes, I am quite overweight. And um, talking to Brenda, she made a point, um, and a good point, very good point actually, of joining a walking club. Um, I do know of walking clubs in the in one of the the areas I am, I'm in, and I have heard that it's very clicky as well. Now, that maybe that's just me being super sensitive. I don't know, but it's one thing I will look into definitely. Okay, uh, you seem to you do seem to be sensitive to clicks. Maybe you're looking at things a little too yeah. hard. Yeah, though that comes from, um, yeah, I've been heard like that before. Um, a little group of people who just keep to themselves and don't want anyone in their group. And that happened to me in the night out before with a group of um, work colleagues where they just stayed in their little group and mm. I bought the whole round of drinks and sat in and I was quite tipsy because I was anxious of that night out and sat in, bought the drinks, was ready to have a great time and they just turned into each other and excluded me okay. and and I ended up just getting my bag after an hour and just walking out and it was just... And feeling nobody noticed you walking out either. Exactly. I cried buckets. I absolutely cried buckets when I got home. Can I ask, do you have uh, a pet or a dog? Yes, I have three dogs. Okay. <laughs> uh, some friends of mine, uh, the Kennys and my old buddy Mike Nolan, have released a lovely app, right? Are you good with apps? Yes, brilliant okay. apps. They're, they're, now, this is for love, right? But you're only looking for friendship. <laughs> the app is called Leads to Love, L-E-A-D-S, number two, L-O-V-E. But they, they also support, of course, just meeting up for doggy walks and... The oh, dogs can have a chat and, and you guys can... Yeah. That's, that's, that's one element, okay? Uh, but a yeah. suggestion from a listener is that doggy groups, even the online ones, are fantastic social outlets and a great way to make friends. Yeah. This, yeah. this lady yeah. says she's made this lifelong friends through her dogs. This is great. This is what I'm looking for. Just ideas just to help me make a start and get a little more confidence in myself to kind of go out a little bit further than my, my kind of safe haven and... Um, yeah, this is brilliant. The ideas that you're given are fantastic. Here's another one. Uh, Meetup.com is great for meeting yeah. new people with a range of things to do, like cinema, walking, yeah. drinks, etc. It's not yeah. a dating site. It's more for people to socialize and make new friends. I used it yeah. a long time ago because uh, a lot of my friends, uh, would, I met a lot of my friends that way. Uh, thank yeah. you for reading out that lady's email. I know exactly how she feels. Please pass her on my number. I would love to yeah. meet her for a coffee. Now, that's the first one that came in. So I think a little bit of fate. We're going to pass on that number to you, okay? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That'd be fantastic. So, now, your, your confidence is obviously coming up, and I salute your bravery for coming on the radio here. I didn't expect it when I read out the email. It's, yeah, a, a lot I, of people I think was, we make up these emails. We don't. No, 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 no. I was um, working last night, and I had a particularly nasty customer, and my, I was very upset over it. And I just said, look, I... I going over my head about what's going on and I was reading um, the last message that was put up on your web website or your Facebook page and I was looking at the comments and I said, God, I'll do that. So that was kind of like, and my anxious level was going up, will I go on, will I not? But I'm glad I did. I'm glad I'm talking to you now. Okay, so we're going to put it on our post as well on our Red FM yeah. Facebook uh, so yeah. you can you can also see the suggestions there. Uh, and, and I'd loosely suggest, it's not my program, it's Neil's, but the 31st of August is a Monday. Neil will be on the air. And I'm just wondering, would you come on one month from today? The last day of July is hopefully the last day you won't, you won't have a friend. 
yeah. And I wonder what it'll be like on the last day of August. So it'll be oh, nice to then, catch up with you then, you know? Yeah, that's actually kind of making me tear up a little bit. That's a lovely <laughs> thought. So yeah, that is actually quite nice. Yeah, I'll do that. I will, I promise. <laughs> Leona, can I just say you sound like a lovely person. Well, I... I do my best. I, there's no point in kind of a say, like, there's a lot gone on in my life which hasn't been well, was, hasn't been good. Um, there's no point dwelling on it and just make the best of every day. And I just try to make people smile every day as I deal with an awful lot of people and they appreciate it and I'm thanked for it all the time. So there's no point in being miserable and because there's plenty of people in miserable and if I can make someone smile. I will. Okay. Well, look, we, we have to be conscious and cognizant of GDPR. We can't be throwing numbers around the place, yours or anyone yeah. else's. But we yeah. will post it on the Red FM Facebook page. You can see the suggestions throughout the weekend. And Brenda yeah. says, because uh, she's t- type texting to me here, you sound much more upbeat now than when uh, Brenda first rang you. Yes. <laughs> As I said, it's um, it's been a lot less painful talking to you than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> no, I meant being on air. <laughs> I know, I understand. I'm only joking. Look, it's great, great to hear you laughing because, the, the, like that email, it really, really tugged at the heartstrings. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. And it it's was. great you had the bravery it was, it to come on. From the heart. Having the bravery to come on might be the difference now for the rest of your life, and that you'll make lifelong friends. Well, I hope so. And even if I don't, it's an opportunity for other people to think if they're in the same boat as me that they're not alone. Okay. And yeah. Okay, here's some texts. Uh, she sounds like a really nice woman. She won't have a problem finding good friends and the very best yeah. of luck to her. That's the thing. You've got to find good friends, not, not yeah, casual that's, acquaintances. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's what I'm looking yeah. for. Oh, I'm tearing up now. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Here, here's another one. I heard that email from the lady who's dealing with a horrible situation. I'm pretty much in the same boat and actually mm-hmm. put together an email to send to you about my situation. It's made worse that I'm not from Cork originally. I'm not employed at the moment, and I've no contact with family, which is their choice. I'd be happy to meet this woman for a coffee or a walk, etc. It would be nice to have a friend to do these things with. So that's the second number that we're going to pass yeah. on to you. Uh, we're opening Actually, the floodgates it's, it's, here. It's a, it's a big problem, and I don't think it's spoken about enough that there is an awful lot of loneliness out there. And it's a, I think it's a kind of a taboo subject, because if you're lonely and you, you seek friends, you're, you're kind of deemed as weird. Or um, that's what I've kind of thought, as that, well, not thought, but got the impression of that you're a little bit weird if you're lonely and you're looking for someone to go out with. Mm-hmm. You seem as needy, but it's, there is a lot of people out there like that. Yes. Here, here's a couple more. Hi, can you please suggest that that lady may be volunteering in the CSPCA to walk dogs if she loves animals, mm-hmm. and then she yeah. can bond with others over animals. And here's a third number we're going to give you as well, okay? So we'll yeah. set you off with three and see how you start. Hi, I'm just okay. listening to your caller. I just joined Slimming World and I'm enjoying the food and the weight loss. If you want to give her my number, uh, I'd love to get to know her and see if we could become <laughs> friends. Maybe yeah. she could join the same group. Uh, I know how loneliness feels. So some of these people who are texting in to, to make contact with you are also probably taking the first steps with trepidation yeah. towards making friends. Yeah. It's not, it can't yeah. be that easy it, for them either. It is, a big, it is a big deal and it is widespread, but as I said, it's not spoken about. So I'm glad now that I, I've emailed you and it's, it, you're, you're speaking to me about it because if, it, if I can help somebody or if I can say that you're not alone, then it's a good thing. Okay, as I say again, Leona, I hope the last day of July is the last day you won't have any friends. And hopefully we'll check in with you on the last day of August. Lovely to talk to you and thank you very much again. You too, Leona. Thanks thanks for being brave enough to come on and thanks for the email. Uh, Oh my God, I'm tearing up here myself listening to what that lovely woman has to say, says another texter. (laughs) 
Well done, Leona. Good morning to you. Thanks. Thank you. Good morning as well. Bye-bye. The Neil Prenderville Show. On at Neil Red FM. It's nine minutes to 11. Good morning. What a lovely lady, and I hope she does go and make many, many friends. I just want to read uh, this quick letter that came into the program yesterday called White Lives Matter. Hi, Mick. This whole Black Lives Matter thing is wearing a bit thin at this stage. Where is this all going to end? White Lives Matter too. We now have an American company forcing its American views on the Irish public by destroying the facade of one of the country's most prominent buildings, the Shelburne. Now, that's the Shelburne Hotel, just opposite Star On, I suppose, St. Stephen's Green. There was no planning permission sought and or granted for the removal of four statues, two of which are slave girls holding torches and two of Nubian princesses. Because of Black Lives Mania, these pieces of art that are over 150 years in place have been removed from public view. Are people for real? The black race were not the only peoples persecuted. Irish people were also sold into servitude. There were Irish slaves in Barbados in the mid-17th century. Sir Francis Drake murdered 600 Irish and Scots, including men, women and children, as a paid mercenary on Rathlin Island. He hid in Cork. He was considered such a lovely chap that Carrigaline have even erected a sculpture uh, to, uh, to dedicate it in his memory near Lidl. There's a stretch of water named after him, a big long stretch of water between Crosshaven and Carrigaline called Drake's Pool. And there are one, if not two, housing estates in Crosser as well. I think one of them is Drake's Point, isn't it? There's a pub as well which has just come under new ownership. It used to be the uh, Admiral Drake. Best wishes there to the owners. Uh, but maybe we should join the rabble pull down the statue and rename the areas that are no longer PC for these millennial snowflakes. Get a life. People, move on and don't be dwelling in the past. What's in the past can't be changed and it's formed who we are. If we erase everything that is offensive to us, history is destined to repeat itself if we have no reference point. So says Dan in Cargilline. Uh, I'm well aware of the Sir Francis Drake story. My late friend, what an absolute gentleman, uh, I embarrassed one day on the air in a different radio program about it. Uh, the late James Sullivan, what an absolute gentleman James was. May he rest in peace. Uh, but uh, James was involved in the uh, organization, I think, with the Lions Club and the erection of that uh, the sailing ship stainless steel thing across from Little. Uh, and I did reference the fact that Sir John Norris and Sir Francis Drake uh, had slaughtered men, women and children, all 600 of them, on Rathlin Island off our north coast. And why would they put up the monument to him and, and all that kind of thing? Uh, it's still there. Drake's Pool is still there. Uh, we have uh, Drake's Point and other uh, references to Sir Francis Drake. Uh, but that is, unfortunately, the fact of the matter. Sir Francis Drake left Rathlin Island uh, and Sir John Norrie stayed there, if I remember correctly, to protect it uh, because Sir Francis Drake was not being paid to stay, uh, just being paid for what he did. Uh, and I think, I'm not sure it was directly afterwards, but then uh, that's when Sir Francis Drake hid for the Spanish Armada in what became known as Drake's Pool. Anyway, back to the pubs and the order of the day. Pardon the pun. Line four is Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hi, how are you? Okay, so the pub bashing. You went for lunch with a friend last Friday. I did, yeah. So uh, me and my friend organised uh, where we would go to Clancy's. So we had to pre-book. My friend Lisa pre-booked. And uh, so we went for lunch in Clancy's. And then afterwards, then we went to the Old Dog. So I just said I'd send in a message because of all the jolly ear bashing and everything for the pubs. But we actually had an absolute fantastic time in both places. So both places we went in, temperature taken. We knew what time we were in there. 
uh, the length of time that we were going to be in there for and um, we were given the menus, everything. Uh, so we, uh, when we were actually going to go into the old office, we kind of forgot that we actually had to order food so that was made clear to us and um, we ordered food, drinks, we had kept our distance and everything. I thought everything was fantastic in both canteens and the old oak. So that's just my point really that I was just going to say like that um, it's not all bad with the pubs opening so hopefully they can open on August 10th. Okay, uh, and both were fantastic you say. Did you get your temperature taken in both places? Uh, we got temperature taken in Clancy's. Uh, now they think we didn't in the old oak but um, everything was made clear when we went into the old oak. Sure. So we were kept from everyone and um, we ordered, um, I can't remember the exact amount of time we were told in the old oak, but we were told what time we had. Uh, we weren't going to stay that length of time anyway because my friend had to get a bus. Uh, she was going back home anyway, mm-hmm. uh, back down to, to the abandoned area. So um, we went for the time flew by in both, and we actually had a fantastic time. People working in both were fantastic. Uh, they're really friendly, really helpful and everything. So I just wanted to give a, like a thumbs up for the pubs and stuff, seeing as everyone's kind of uh, you know, bashing and stuff, saying that they should be kept closed. Okay. I suppose what we're, what we're really trying to get at is, does the food protect you? Is, is a, a pub not serving food if they follow the same guidelines and distancing? Is it going to be as safe? And that's really what I was getting at. Does the food protect you? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, like, you can still be in there and um, you can still have your food drinks. I mean, if, you're, if you have your lot of time and you have your food drinks in there, I think there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there isn't really a difference, I don't think, anyway, between having the food and not having the food. It's just something extra, having the food, you know, really. Obviously, after a few drinks, if people are going in, they're going on the lash or whatever, there might be that social distancing. But if everyone has their time in there, like two hours or whatever, I think everyone can enjoy themselves. Okay. At a distance. Perfect. Uh, hey, so they're, they're ones that are following the rules. I, as I said last week, I've only been into one pub, and that's the Orr in Crosshaven. Uh, and it was very, very well policed, very well social distanced. Can, couldn't even stand near the bar, not to mind touch it. And all names and phone numbers were taken uh, into a contact tracing log. Uh, of course, you had to buy the requisite amount of food as well. And then they were watching the 105 minutes. So a lot of pubs are playing by the rules, and we salute them as they are. Thanks a million, Sharon, for that. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Where is the morning going? We've only got an hour left before the end of the Neil Prendeville Show. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. So many texts, so many emails, so little time. Uh, hi, Mick. I was just wondering if you'd give us a mention on your show today. When, uh, when lockdown started in March this year, everyone was doing different things with this stay-at-home time. We were obviously still operating in the shop when these strange uh, times commence, but we were operating within the guidelines as asked for one person for family to come to our store. Children were a topic of many conversations at the time, and they do have a part to play in this and stayed at home. My mum was so conscious of that, and we were all very aware of the absence of children in the shop, their fun, their energy, their excitement. So she decided she would like to create a book for children, something that would remind them of their time at home, a keepsake, if you will. This book turned into a creativity book, which I attach an image of. It was created by my mum, designed by my sister, and printed by my aunt. So it really is a real family project, created by our family for your family. The book goes on sale in the shop tomorrow, and all the proceeds are going to the children's unit at the CUH. We would love any shout-out you could do about it, as I feel it's a beautiful gift for children and also supports 
a great cause. And this is from the great shop that has been over the years, Fitzpatrick's Shop uh, for the Children of Cork. The Creativity Book is uh, at Fitzpatrick's Food Store as well. Uh, the Creativity Book will be at Fitzpatrick's Shop, a keepsake for 2020. Uh, thanks for your time and kind regards, says Kerry. It's a lovely image uh, created by a family uh, for your family, so you can pick it up at Fitzpatrick's Shop. And I hope it goes to other good outlets as well. And big thanks to Julie from Sticky Fingers. We spoke to her on the programme uh, with regard to certain elements of uh, of etiquette and uh, distancing and serving people. Anyway, that's the famous donut shop in Emmett Place and they've dropped in some delicious donuts this morning. A great way to start off the weekend. Now to things of a more serious import and Professor Jerry Killeen, uh, the research chair in applied pathogen ecology at the School of Biological, Earth and Environmental Sciences at UCC. Good morning to you, Jerry Killeen. Professor Jerry Killeen, I'll call you Jerry if I can. Please, please, uh, I'll, I don't think I'll ever get used to the professor. Good morning, <laughs> okay. how are you doing? Good. Now, I suppose the message here, and once again, you know, we're going to be accused of scaremongering, but we can't really take our foot off the pedal now. I 100% agreed. Uh, absolutely agreed. And, you know, we're all human beings. We all do it. You know, I, we all let our guard down when nothing untoward has happened for a while. Um, the one thing I've learned over kind of, um, I go, you know, I deal with a fair amount of risk in my own profession is that, you know, if you make a mistake, just that's normal, but just don't repeat it. What mistakes were made? We've uh, we've had a steep learning curve. We've learned a lot. We have a lot of good information and knowledge in the tank now. Uh, should anything happen again, with, with you know, in relation to increasing numbers, we have had five or six spikes on the last five or six Tuesdays. Is that down to weekend reporting? Well, yeah. I mean, so kind of um, variable reporting by day of the week, it's, that, that's all standard in epidemiology, and that's why we have moving averages. Um, but, you know, the the numbers are tipping up. It's not a surprise that fits with every reasonable projection I've seen since March 16th. Um, you know, if we look at lessons that we've learned, the first thing we've learned that's very positive is that we can crush this virus. You know, so all the way through phase zero, phase one, phase two, we managed to shrink the epidemic um, by 50% every two to three weeks. Sure, but if, if we've learned how to crush it, Terry, we've also learned it doesn't go away easily. Yeah, well, totally agreed. And then, you know, if you look at the things that were decided to learn the hard way, but um, most experts would have guessed it's that um, if you take your foot off the gas, it just comes back at you. You know, you can't negotiate a truce with the virus. Uh, it doesn't give up. It doesn't go away. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't waste time um, on debates. And so we've really got to go after it and finish the job. Okay. So let's look at the reopening of certain facilities. We tend to harp on about pubs. They're a very vocal element, uh, you know, and a very powerful lobby group here. But there are football stadia, other places where large numbers gather. We spoke to the Everman Palace yesterday. They're not having their pantomime this year. Uh, educational facilities seem to be coming to the fore uh, the government are stating that, you know, we've really failed in our handling of the virus if we don't get the schools open. Well, the last part, of course, I, I agree with, but the question is, how do you do it? To reopen them with a bug like this still in circulation is really asking for trouble. Um, you know, I, in my view, there isn't a, a safe way to do it uh, without getting rid of the virus. There are ways that you can slow, you know, kind of you can minimise the risk and you can slow down the consequences of doing so, but there's no way to, you know, 
terms, you know, we got through phase two and uh, incidence rates were dropping. We got into phase three plus and they flattened out. So any further restrictions and it really takes, you know, any further relaxation of restrictions and it takes off. And something like a school, which has, it's such a hope of a society. You know, we all think about how many families connect into a school, how many um, other aspects of society a, a, a school connects into. You've got teachers, you've got kids, you've got support staff, you've got the families, you've got their extended families. So schools are kind of asking for trouble. And one of the things that kind of really makes me nervous about this plan is that the when I see that face masks are option, I... I am concerned that you know the technical basis of the plan has been poorly thought out. It looks looks rushed. It looks a little bit politically motivated, and so um, so yeah. No, I, I worry about this plan. Should there not have been a fallback position for schools reopening, Terry? And in, in that the government are saying, look, we're going to get this done. We're going to open the schools safely in four weeks' time. Should there not have been a kind of a, a fallback plan B to say if we have a certain level of R rate, and if we have a certain low level of new cases, uh, we'll do it, we hope. Uh, but if we don't achieve that, we're putting it back to September with some increased activity online. We'll open the classes, we'll do them remotely. Sorry, but you're going to have to stay at home. Well, I, hey, well first of all, I would hope that that backup plan exists. I, and I actually presume it does. Um, but, you know, I think more important is to see how does the plan for the school fit into an overall national strategy. And that's where we're. That's where we have a problem. You know, I've I've yet to hear um, a national strategy that actually has an exit point, you know, where we actually escape from this pandemic that is biologically and epidemiologically credible. So, you know, at best we're in phase three plus, and at best it stays this way. But that's unlikely. You know, epidemics are fundamentally unstable. They're volatile. Entities. The only way you can get stable transmission of anything is to let it go endemic, which is really not a situation we want to find ourselves in. And look for herd immunity, I mean. Yeah, yeah, which is really, that's kind of really your biblical plague scenario. There's no, there's no easy way to get to herd immunity. So um, really the only way out of this one is to double down, get rid of this thing, and then reopen the schools, reopen the pubs, get back to GAA matches, um, and more or less normal life, except that we'd have to control trade and travel very carefully. That doesn't seem to be happening, though. As much as they're taking PPS numbers at, uh, to, to take your POP payment off, they're not doing the, the temperature checks and controls. They're allowing people from hotspots to come in. Um, the house parties may have been a contributory factor, at least, as Benny McKay would say, the pubs can't be blamed this time because most of them are closed. But when you take it that, say, 25 to 30 percent of pupils pick up some sort of virus every September when they return to school. That goes to show exactly how much of a, a melting pot, a petri dish, a school classroom can be. Uh, totally agreed. Uh, most of us are unaware of the fact we get... The average person gets a common cold, uh, which comes from the same family of viruses, uh, you know, three to six times a year. So, um, kind of that's what we're really looking at here. It's um, kind of epidemic containment 101 is... is it's First thing you do is close the schools and the universities. And so um, I think, you know, but it, it's unfair to zoom in on the schools or the poor old pub owners or even the youngsters um, 
you're having their house parties and stuff. You know, I mean, I don't think I was any different when I was 18. And it's, it's more about how all these things fit together into an overall plan. And that's what we're lacking. So if you were, finally, Jerry, because I must move on, but if if you were the head of NEFET and you were advising the cabinet how to move forward from here, notwithstanding the spike last night, but in general, in your considered professional opinion, how should we proceed? Take us back to phase two, soup it up, uh, get serious about all the things that we know make common sense, get serious about face masks, get serious about... Uh, closing uh, communal seating areas, uh, close restaurants, close all non-minimal services for about two months, count down the days with zero cases. In that time, you kind of um, tighten up uh, how we handle trade and travel at the airport and the ports. Um, and in about two months, we're out of it or we're more or less there. And, and then we can reopen our schools, reopen our pubs, do all those things and then shift our focus really onto our borders and our airports. Mm-hmm. I, I leave it with a text, Jerry, and this uh, just come in from David. Believe it or not, some of us are medically vulnerable and we are still cocooning. The thought of going out for food or going to a bar is out of the question for us for the rest of the year. Some people are still in that situation. I'm totally on their side and I think it's up to the rest of us to make sure we have a country where those people can live normal lives and and there's only one way to do that. Okay, research chair in applied pathogen ecology at the School of Biological Earth and Environmental Sciences. You wouldn't want to be saying that now with a few beers in you at University College Cork. Professor Jerry Killeen, thank you very much for coming on this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank cheers, bye-bye. It's 18 minutes after 11. You can get in touch with the program by calling 1850-104-106. You can text 086-804-106 or you can email neil at redfm.ie. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Now, just to go back on that text, believe it or not, some of us medically vulnerable are still cocooning. The thought of us going out for food or going to a bar is out of the question for the rest of the year, said David and Greg in Ballinock. Responded. He said in response to David's above message, some people are bedbound. It doesn't mean the rest of us should be. So there you go. Reaction instantly uh, on that one. On making new friends, Michelle on line one. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi. You read Hello. Leona's message on our Facebook page. Yeah, I did, yeah. What do you think? Um, It's a little sad. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It's a little sad that she's in that situation, um, especially at her age. And I find the older you get, the harder it is to make friends and try and pull yourself out of whatever it is you're in that stops you from going out and stuff, you know. And from experience, anyway, I know it's really tough. So for her, I just I felt really sorry for her, to be honest. Okay, what what experience? Um, well, my own experience is this. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved down from Galway in, it will actually be two years ago in August. Um, and we have two kids. My partner is originally from Cargilline. I'm from Gort. Um, and it was just really hard to make friends. It was really hard to settle. It took a very long time to settle, to um, have the confidence to make new friends and get to new... Get just to for know you or, or, or for both of you? Just for me, really. Yeah. Because he, he, had an, he had an, uh, an old pre-existing social structure of friends in Carrigaline. Yeah, yeah, he would have, because um, he grew up here. But for me, I didn't know anybody, only his family. So I started a new job um, in a creche that has like has loads of employees. Um, and it was just really hard, you know, just trying to, trying to settle in, trying to 
be the person who you are, but also you're like really shy at the same time and afraid to show who you are. And and then if you suffer for anyway from anxiety or anything like that, it makes it so much worse. And you just kind of get sucked back in and you find like you're stuck between a wall and a hard place and trying to get out there. And even the smallest things like going to the gym to try and meet new people, that was next to impossible. Um, so I found it really, really difficult. Well, you don't seem shy to me on first glance or first listen. You sound bubbly no. and outgoing and confident. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, I was shy as a teenager, but to be honest, working in childcare, you have no choice but to speak to parents on a daily basis and to the employees and everyone. So, yeah, that really brought me out of myself. And now that we're here in only two years, um, I'm a whole lot more comfortable. I've made a fantastic group of friends that they've actually really helped me come out of myself too. My partner has been super supportive because I come from a huge family and what I was leaving behind was enormous for me. And to be honest, I never ever thought I'd do it. Um, But here we are, yeah, no, but so like trying to make new friends and just trying to engage with new people when they don't really know you and you don't really know them and it can be really awkward and you're shy and it's just really hard. So that's when I read Leona's message, I was like, oh, my heart goes out to her because I know how that feels. I know how it feels to try and make new friends and all that jazz and it is really difficult. Well, you said in your text that you suggest that uh, you have a suggestion for Leona, give her my number and tell her to text me. Uh, and you'd be happy to have a coffee with her and chat away. I didn't actually, I forgot to ask her in what general area uh, is she, because if she's in Castleton Bear and you're in, you know, yeah. y'all, it's going to be a bit difficult. Line. Yeah, but you know, like, we could always meet halfway. I have no problem with travelling. Give her my number. I have absolutely no problem with her texting me, and we could, if she just wants to chat, go for a coffee. If she wants to do anything, really. I'm up for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to get to know new people. Um, it's nice to just be out there, be yourself. Like, I'm a firm believer in if you give good, you'll get good back. So I'm always trying to use that approach. When I saw her message, the first thing I thought was, ah, oh, give her your number. You know, you could make a friend or if she just wants to chat, go for a coffee, you know, just something small. You're, you're among many of the kind-hearted Cork listeners who are offering their numbers oh. this morning. Uh, and if, if they're offered, we're not in breach of any GDPR. We can pass them on. And if, if Leona wants to contact you back then, everything's cool. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. No pressure. If she does, she does. If she does, if she does, then it's fine. My number is there anyway. Brilliant. Thank, um, thanks for that, Michelle. Yeah. No Appreciate bother, no. that. Thank you. No okay. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. On All the right, subject bye. of... Bar- thanks, bye. On the subject of bars, good morning, Mick. I visited two pubs in the city this week and I was shocked by what I saw. One of them had a menu for food and even though I was there for over two hours, I was never told to order food. The barman who was there was not wearing a mask and as he knew the friend I was with, he put a receipt on the table in case someone came in to check about food being served. No social distancing was being observed, as most people were standing watching the racing on TV. This is a disaster waiting to happen. I then visited a second bar on Wednesday in the city, and I was curious as to what food they were offering. It was an offer of a pint and a pizza for a tenner. So you got a receipt for a tenner uh, for the pizza, uh, but obviously that's the, the pint for five and the, and the pizza for five or whatever. This is a joke in both pubs I was in. I was never asked to leave at any time. I could have stayed there all day drinking. Uh, and right through the evening, as my friend did. And that is from a worried citizen. On the topic of the government, hi Mick, is, it, it is another century with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael in power. The more things change, the more they stay the same. This new so-called government are using the age-old tactics of divide and conquer. I hope all the people who attended the Black Lives Matter marches will not be voting uh, in the same people in Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil again and moaning about it on social media when things get worse. Black Lives Matter is racist in itself. Tell me anywhere in the world where multiculturalism has worked. 
our own president's uh, president in the infancy of the state sent a letter of sympathy to the people of Germany on the death of Hitler on behalf of the Irish people. That would have been Eamon de Valera. Need I say more? Another texture, Pat and Black Rock says Eamon Ryan will be able to have a good long sleep for himself with the Doyle going on holidays. And Stephen texts, this might be a republic with a constitution that professes to care for all its people, but in my opinion, successive governments have ignored the people. Uh, Meal Martin nails his colours to private health care by opening units in the private hospitals. And one final one, I for one am happy that we have an independent media that can hold these horrible politicians to account and ask them the tough questions that need answering instead of going for a pint and being buddies. Okay, let's go to line two and to Pamela. So much to squeeze in between now and 12 midday. Hi, Pamela. How are you? I'm good now. A traumatic, traumatic occurrence. Okay. This is obviously very difficult for you now, so take your time, take a breath, and uh, we're going to have somebody else come on as well just to, to chat things through. You had a cat, and you were obviously very, very attached yeah, it's cat. my daughter. It's my daughter's cat. Okay, and what happened last night? Um, woke up to shouting and roaring. My neighbour was after spotting smoke coming up from the alley. Um, they went down, hosed it down, and they spotted there was a cat locked inside it. There was two young fellas in the estate. They were after setting it on fire. The cat was dead, but um, yeah. So the cat was was trapped in what? A toy kitchen. So like a doll's house thing. Yeah, yeah. And how do they manage to set it on fire? Do they have some inflammable liquid or? I, d- I don't know. I'm not sure. And it was your daughter's cat. Does your daughter know yet? No, I'm kind of keeping her in now, but I'm going to have to tell her. But how do you explain that her cat was locked in the toy kitchen and set on fire, do you know? And I guess you just say the cat wandered off to find new friends or something. Oh, she'd be told in the estate where the whole estate knows. She's yeah. going to be told by someone, do you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And the guards came? Yeah, the guards were absolutely useless. Okay, don't mention any names now, but what's no, the gen- what, what's the general age? About 14, 15 here? Yeah, they're 15, nearly 16. Okay, so the guards came. Not a whole lot they could do, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Once again, be very careful here, uh, or I'll have to cut you off. Okay. Uh, but you know exactly who did it, do you, or don't you? Yeah, everyone does. Uh, okay, all right. Okay. They were seen, there is a woman that lives by me, she made a statement. She, we know, everyone knows who had done it. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is uh, is bring on Vincent Cashman here from the Cork Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. We spoke to him already yeah. and we didn't expect to be speaking uh, to him again on this sad issue. Hi, Vincent. Good morning, Mick. Okay, that's traumatic. That is really, really shocking. Um, it is. I'm, what area? Could you just give me a general area? Uh, in Tower. In Tower. Okay, so it's, it's, the, it's the Blarney Station, correct? Blarney Garden yeah, Station. That would yeah. probably be the nearest one, yeah. Okay. Um... No, I'm 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 very surprised that the, the guard. No, when you say the guards weren't weren't interested, did, did the guard actually arrive on site? Yeah, they did arrive on site. Okay. Yeah. Now, has has the information that you got have would say regarding the names of these guys has that been given to the guardie? Yeah, the guards even knew. They knew, like. Right, but has that information that has the guardie have that information? So have yeah, they got? Have they received the state from yourself? That it's it's Joe Bloggs, hoping that's not his name, <laughs> and Mary Murphy are the two people that are involved in this. Not yet. I'm hoping to go over now today. So you will, you will make a statement, Pamela, will you? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. You see, if there's no statement made, 
the Gardaí will be very slow to act because the yeah. statement has to be backed up. So okay. I would I would urge you because uh, and particularly my own dealings with the Gardaí has been fantastic. <clears throat> but you'll always find so, and particularly over the last few weeks with, with the amount of dog tests that are there, the Gardaí yeah. have gone above and beyond. So I mean, if the minute they receive a statement, they will act on that statement. Okay. Like they, if, they, if, they, if these two guys are known, I mean that is absolutely shocking behaviour. Yeah. To lock them into a toy kitchen and and, and um, so you you do re- you do know that it's actually your cat that was was destroyed. Yeah? It is. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. How old is your daughter, Pamela? Uh, she's eight. Eight. Okay. Uh, Vincent, would you, and it's just a suggestion, would you advise maybe as part of making that statement that her daughter attends, you know, that she can actually feel the, the the weight and the gravity of what happened here and that there may be some retribution? Um, yes, I would probably recommend it, plus the fact that she would like, now again, I'm only surmising here, um, that she might like to be part of getting justice for her cat. So it would probably be wise to get her involved or just explain, not in that graphic detail, even though look, yeah. Facebook and social media has handled this probably before anybody else has. Um, yeah. But I would I would advise that anybody mentioning names or anything like that of these guys on Facebook just to take it down. Yeah, not to mention them, I know. Not, not to mention them, but definitely make a statement to the guarantee. Go through all the details. If there is any witnesses to it as well, if they could yeah. also follow it up with, with statements to the Gardaí. Because if okay. it's a cat, no, it, this is where it starts. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Vincent, what, what prevention of cruelty to animals legislation exists to assist here? Basically, once there's a statement made and a case is taken, so if the case is sent into the DPP, so the case actually then goes to the court, okay, then charges, I mean, this 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 isn't even just cruelty, they did this is deliberate cruelty. Um, so I mean, there, there, there is the legislation very, very strong in this. So then it's down to it's down to the court and the judge to pass sentence on us. They are juveniles, but look, this is um, this is this has to be cut out. This has to be stopped. So I mean, there is there is a case to be answered to here. So if this was bravado or a bit of a laugh or, or being tough guys, they're about to realise there's a more serious repercussion of course, legally. Of course it is. I mean, the sooner this this this. Like it, this is a you no. Know, some people come along and saying that this is happening on a daily basis, weekly basis. It's not, thankfully. If that is the case, we are a country full of psychopaths. But it is getting to the stage of where, um, if they've managed to catch a cat, restrain it, put it into a toy kitchen, and then set fire to it. Ferocious, ferocious intent on doing this. So, I mean, the, the guards will be will be watching these guys going forward. You know? and, and though juveniles, they may have an attachment uh, to a criminal record now. But they will have an attachment to a criminal record. I mean, even that, they'll be definitely noted. So they're, they're, they've, they've um, red-listed themselves by doing this, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's like anything, you, you, especially local guardie, they're kind of, even though there may not be charges pressed against some guys, they know guys that are kind of, we say flaunting the law, for want of a better term. So they would be on their radar. I mean, but this is this is atrocious. This is atrocious. Pamela, we've so sent uh, we've sent your number to Vince. He's going to call you uh, yeah. for a private okay. consultation, a uh, private chat after uh, this conversation. That's okay with you, yeah? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, um, just a second. We may have somebody else on this topic. Uh, a neighbour of yours, uh, phone uh, was already in contact with the IFPCA.
and yeah. uh, the Gardaí. Uh, Vincent, I'll leave there, and as soon as I finish with Pamela, you might uh, you might recall, yeah? No, problem at all. Okay, okay, thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Elian. May, good morning. Hi, Mary. Uh, hi, how are you? Okay, no names now, please. No, not at all. I wouldn't dream of that. All I would give them is uh, call them a scumbag, and that's where it ends. You're a neighbour of, of um, Pamela. Uh, yes, I am. And you felt strongly enough to contact the ISPCA, not not just yeah. the CSPCA. So you went to the national body and the Gardaí. Did you make a complaint or a statement? I made an uh, I email of them um, at half three this morning and got a response back first thing this morning to basically say, uh-huh. we don't have an inspector that can deal with it. It's the guards duty, their animal welfare officers, and yet still the three guards that were in attendance last night refused to take the other animals that they had out of the house and when I said I wanted their badge numbers to include in a complaint to the ISPCA they refused to give me their badge numbers got in the car and drove away And is this because there was an absence of a, of a formal statement? Uh, no, one of the neighbours made a say, uh, they took you know, the handwritten statement last okay. night They took their notes Yes, yes, they did. And, uh, you know, people have said there's no problem. They will go and make official statements. But, you see, the fact that the, the guards didn't want to be dealing with it last night. And I phoned Anglesey Street last night and I asked for a, a car with competent guards to be sent out to us. And I was told that the only guards we get to deal with us are the guards from our area. But that's, it's just not acceptable anymore. They have left. Yeah, look, I, I, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps the guards who attended didn't have enough um, competence with animals or familiarisation with that. God knows I wouldn't have a clue what to do, you know? Well, I work uh, in animal rescue as well, and I offered last night to help. You know, there, there's absolutely no excuse to it whatsoever. Okay, no, but I, I suppose the over, overriding concern here, guys, is that this can't happen again. Well, look, I've already announced uh, this, what, last week, and I had to take, with the help of some others and a rescue, I had to remove uh, two kittens from the area that were not old enough to come away from their mother because these two individuals had a nest down to try catch these kittens to throw them into the lurcher. They had their lurcher with them. They were trying to set the lurcher on the kittens and luckily enough, they were not able to get at the kittens. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I mean, this has been a persistent thing. Okay, so it's a, it's a bigger problem than just a, an isolated, though horrific and tragic oh, incident. No, no, this, but this is the, you know, this is just the tip, it's the straw that broke Pamela's back. Okay. Alright, Mary, Mary, thank you very much. Okay, thank Thanks you a million. So uh, that's Bye. a neighbour of uh, Pamela who phoned was in contact with the ISPCA and the guards. Uh, Pamela, we'll let you go and Vincent will call you as soon as you hang up from us okay, uh, and take you on that journey. M- maybe it's part of, uh, you know, she, your daughter's going to be shocked and traumatised, but maybe yeah. it's part of the healing process that she also gets okay. involved in the complaint uh, and, and yeah. watches hopefully justice being done uh, for her sadly departed animal. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Always hoping to end Friday on a kind of a you know light-hearted and happy note, but that kind of stuff uh, just really makes you question what's going on out there in society. Thanks to Vincent Cashman.
from the Cork Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals for coming on there. It is now 21 minutes to midday. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And good morning to Carmel. Hi, Carmel. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? That upset you, that story? It does. And, you know, I just think that changes need to be made to the, the laws, basically, and prosecutions. You know, there should be fines that go back into the system, you know, for animal welfare. Um, we never hear of the stories. Um, you know, obviously, there's investigations and stuff like that, but we never hear of the outcomes, what happens to, you know, the people who, who actually do these kind of things. And I think that the public should, you know, the ISP, well, you know, it should be known basically what are the consequences of these kind of things happening because, you know, they are happening all the time in different ways. Yeah, and as much as the trauma of what happened has been highlighted here, the the actual retribution of the sentence or the, uh, you know, the sanction or, or whatever happens to these guys should be publicised as well. And it's a, it's a worry as well because these are teenagers. So, you know, where are they going in their lives that they're, you know, acting like this now? What's going to happen when they're older? Um, obviously, you know, there's kind of, you know, backgrounds to them um, that they think that this is okay. But, like, there's so many different issues, you know, with these kind of situations. But I just think that the public should be made aware of what are the consequences for people who are doing these kind of things because mm-hmm. we never hear of them. All right, well, let's look for the outcome of this one and let's follow this one because there's going to be a lot of attention happening now because I think at this stage now there's going to be an official complaint, official statement made and taken uh, possibly in Blarney Garda Station and there will be a follow-up needed, I think. And fantastic to the lady to come on air to, to, you know, to to voice it because I'm I'm sure that an awful lot of people wouldn't come on air. Yeah, she's still got to break the news to her eight-year-old daughter. Yeah, shocking. Okay, thanks, Carmel. Thank you. Bye. Thanks a uh, You can call us on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six as well. Uh, on leaders, how you make this country badly, badly, badly needs real leaders. We need the Michael Collins type to bring back a sense of self worth. The current re- regime has invoked depression, lack of self worth, and shame on the sense of Irishness, both here in Ireland and abroad in many countries. Expats from Canada, US, USA, Australia, and Asia regularly mention how pathetic the leadership has been in this country and the government are ruining the country. We need a new general election. Uh, this crowd are not doing what they promised and fundamentally they were elected on a pre-COVID-19 set of policies. Uh, that's a fair point there, actually. Now, I want to talk about the Wild Atlantic Run and to uh, speak to Chris Barry. Uh, this is all going to happen on the 13th of September. Somebody's going to run the entire length of the Wild Atlantic Way and his name is Chris Barry. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mick. How are you? Good, man. You've got to be running the entire length of the west coast of Ireland. Yeah, we are, yeah. And we're looking forward to it. Uh, does that mean every beach and every coastline and every other is, uh, is going to be no, a trunk? we're just going, we're just going uh, to all like the major, 14 major checkpoints on the Wild Atlantic Way. Okay, almost like the Camino. Yeah, basically. It, so is there any passport stamping mechanism here, Chris? Because that's what the country <laughs> needs. I know. No, it's about, um, it's about 800 miles each. Um, so, yeah, we didn't... We're not experienced runners at all or anything like that. Um, we just started training in May. So, yeah, it's kind of a crazy challenge we're embarking on. But, no, we're really looking forward to it. Okay, that is a huge challenge. 1,250 kilometres. Uh, so you'll have 2,500 on between you. Uh, 30 yeah. marathons in 35 days. Uh, is there a reason behind all this? Something to support? Um, yeah, it's all to raise money for Mental Health Ireland and UK. 
So just two charities uh, close to our hearts, myself and my fellow running partner, Jason Adam Hine. So yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And yeah, like I said, for two great causes. You're originally from Glanmire? I'm originally from Glanmire, yeah. So yeah, looking forward to finishing up on uh, at the Old Head in Kingsale. And uh, I have my grandfather living there as well. So yeah, I'll have all my friends coming down and uh, Jason's friends are coming down from Offaly as well. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Okay. Well, what are the high points on the route? Because uh, ending in Kinsale, um, on the old head, you'll be starting where? Uh, we're going to be starting in Derry, and then the, that's going to take us up to Malinhead. Um, but it's quite a difficult route, so it's like kind of, we're actually going back on ourselves quite a lot. So, yeah, it's going to take a lot of mental strength kind of going back up, because we're going to have to go from Malinhead to Kenny. And then we're going to have to cross over to Donegal. Um, so I think the first day is about 45 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so yeah, it's, we're averaging about, yeah, it's averaging about a marathon a day, just over a marathon a day. So yeah. So you're probably passing John's Point, come on down through Sligo to Mullockmore. Yeah. Uh, in, in, all, in, all, into West Mayo and Galway. Yeah. Hillary, Hillary Fjord, maybe? Yeah, definitely. Well, we have a lot of, uh, like, we want to enjoy it as well. Obviously, going to be a really tough challenge, but like it's such a like beautiful coastal route, um, and we just kind of want to make the most of it really and enjoy the sights while we're there. Like we're hoping to start off around five a.m. every day, finish for around one or two, and obviously just to get a recovery in, and then obviously enjoy the sights, go to the beaches and whatnot. But yeah, no, we're really really looking forward to it. Okay, all starting on the thirteenth of September. Uh, and how can people support or how can people keep in touch? You'll obviously have some social media up there as well. Yeah, yeah so if you go to our website, um S two S mentalhealth dot com, it literally has the entire route up there. Um our GoFundMe's um on the route um on the sorry on the page as well. And we have a sponsorship page as well where we have sponsorship packages because we're really struggling to look for accommodation at the moment, especially with COVID. So I think our best option is to get a camper van. Um, so, yeah, we're reaching out to people as well. But, yeah. Did you see the price of camper vans at the moment? The country's awash oh, with yeah. them. But they're, they're, they cost you an absolute mortgage to get one these days. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of families have said this is how we can stay kind of cocooned, stay socially separated, uh, mix very lightly on beaches and, and things like that, eat inside, sleep inside. So camper vans yeah. are at a premium at the moment. Yeah, I know. Like we want to do obviously the safest thing possible as well. Obviously with the government guidelines and stuff. And yeah, I think a camper van is the best option. And if we don't get that, we're going to be camping. So yeah, if uh, yeah, if anyone can um, support in any way, it's uh, s2smentalhealth.com, and then our Instagram page is s2s35. Um, yeah, so there's a. We're going to be basically, we have a YouTube video up on our uh, webpage um, that kind of gives everyone, like, kind of the reason why we're doing it. And, yeah. Okay. Um, you were brought up, yeah. as you said in, in an email, you, you were brought up in a traditional background. And, you know, young men in Ireland find it difficult to talk about their problems. And then you lost a close friend. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think it's a massive thing in Ireland, growing up especially... Um, obviously just going to like we don't like men um, notoriously don't really speak about our mental health and yeah um, yeah I lost a close friend when I was in school and obviously had a big impact on me and um, with Jason as well 
obviously um, stuff has happened in his life that's affected his mental health. And we became best friends when we went to university in Bath together in the UK and we were literally the only two Irish guys there. So we kind of bonded straight away. And we kind of literally just started, uh, we opened up to each other and started talking about our problems. And um, yeah, we just kind of, felt it made the world a difference to actually just mm-hmm. open up and have someone there that you can speak to about these things. Wow. So that's just, that's just kind of the point like we want to make is like it's something that you can control. Um, di- people are definitely going to have the different, wa- different ways of controlling it but we found it best that kind of speaking to a friend and kind of yeah and just kind of or whatever family, family member um and we want to use it to our advantage. We don't want to, because it's like, like mental health is viewed as a massive negative. Where we want to view it as a massive positive and how, kind of just okay. like basically doing this run to show how you can um, use it in a positive light and yeah, kind of inspire people along the way. So much charitable stuff going on, Chris, but we're happy to give you this platform to talk about this pressing oh, subject. Thanks very much. And we hope you achieve very much uh, with completing the challenge. I know you've got to do it yet. Two amazing charities involved. We wish you all the very best. Stay in touch with the program uh, when you're actually on route, will you? All right, we will. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Thanks very much. much. Okay. The opportunity. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Let's go to Holland for the last call of the day, where Pat is holding and listening. Hello, Pat. How's the farm, mate? I'm all right, man. You're from Cork, anyway. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Three words. Yeah, it was, I was just, I was just calling there because, um, yeah, that story that you, uh, that you. Uh, yeah, uh, mention about the cast that was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was killed. Um, it, it's very harrowing, but is it no surprise as well that we have these stories coming out over the last twelve to eighteen months of incidents with youths in the city? And I mean, it all kind of starts somewhere, right? And it can't just bore them either. I mean, this definitely needs to be taken care of, and it needs to be cut out at the source. So the Gardaí have a big job on their hands, I think, to. Um, to try and combat this or no at an early stage and try and save these kids from making similar mess ups in life. You know, it's, um, yeah, you'd wonder you'd wonder is this, you know, the start of something that's a little more menacing and a little more progressive exactly. into you know, into into exactly. the human variety of people. I don't know. Yeah, because it always seems to start from somewhere and it just can't be boring, you know what I mean? This is really serious and it should be taken very seriously as well. I mean you have a kid now that's going to miss a cat and okay it's I mean it's an animal and a cat is a very common animal but still you know it's a kid that has a connection to an animal and that animal has been killed by mm-hmm. scumbags you know it, it was it was put very well by the, by the by the previous caller that these kids are just scumbags and yeah. they need to be sorted out yeah the guards need to be all over it I think really uh, what are you doing in the Netherlands Pat? Uh, I'm working at Phillips uh, Phillips Philips Healthcare and Ironcoven. So I've been over there for about 15 years. But yeah, I Philips used to make TVs and home appliances, but they are now one of the big, world's biggest medical device companies, aren't they? Exactly. So I'm right in the middle of that. Um, so, um, yeah, you, you miss Cork? Last. I love Cork. I love getting home. Uh, sadly, my dad passed away in May, so I couldn't make it back home for the funeral. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. COVID-19 situation. Well, thanks very much, man. But I'm trying to get home, so I'm hoping that... The Netherlands will get on to the uh, will get on to the green list soon uh, in order for me to get home and start yeah. the whole uh, yeah 
uh, process of uh, grieving with my family. So. I know, I understand. But Let me see if I can cheer you up. A fellow said, said to me last night, you, don't, you could only be understand this if you're from Cork. He said, there's two words, uh, if you're a Cork fella talking to a Cork fella, that someone can inquire about your social standing or make a comment and declare your social standing can also inquire as to what's happening in your life and give you a greeting. Do you know those two words? Story, Sham. Oh, no. <laughs> At least we got you laughing. Thanks a million. Cheers, Pat. All, all the best. You too, man. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.